Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 150. I'm Graham, I'm here with Luke, Cody, and Richie, and we have Chris Wiley on today, who I believe you went on the recent Ultimate Adventure, right? Yeah, I did. So it's yep. actually Willie, but no biggie. I'm used to Willie? it. Willie. Uh, Graham, man, you try your oh, best, and I appreciate on. you, brother. Everyone's but, last man. name. <laughs> Chris I Willie. I wish you all a party to you. Um, I was on UA 2023 this year. That was out your guys' way, actually. So yep. We just missed you. Yeah, yeah, literally by hours. Before. By a couple hours, I think, actually. Jeez. Um, and, I mean, we've been we've been talking for the past 15, 20 minutes. So this is uh, we've got plenty plenty that we wanted to cover that we sort of uh, stopped halfway because it's good podcast talk. So uh, this should be a pretty good one. I'm curious to hear, I guess, about the rig. I'm not a hundred percent sure what no, you tell drive. us about you first. Oh, okay. tell us about you. Oh, who are you? What you about? Yeah, let's figure out who this man's is. <laughs> Uh, like you guys said, I'm Chris Willie. I'm, I'm from Manchester, Iowa. So if you look at a map of the Iowa, I'm through dead between Waterloo and to be two of the bigger cities straight north of Cedar Rapids, which is, the, I think, the second biggest city in the state. Right in the flatlands? I'm on the border of the flatlands. So, you know, everybody always says, oh, Iowa's flat. And if you get west of me, it gets flat really quick. <laughs> uh I'm general manager of an off-road shop in Dubuque called Complete Off-Road. And that's how I, I got my, you know, got my foot in the door to go to UA this year. I've been, I've been off-road since I was probably three, whether it was snowmobiles, three-wheelers, four-wheelers, uh, Jeeps, Scouts. Dad had them all. We, we were always, there was a family deal to go out and go off-roading. Uh, been doing it as a job through seven years now with complete off road before that I worked for uh, Toyota financial doing warranty claims. Ooh, so your two, your two major uh, OEMs for off road stuff. I've, I've owned them and played with them all. <laughs> uh, like I said, worked for complete off road, uh, which we've got, you know, we sell on the internet, full install shop axles and suspension are our specialties there. Um, we're right in the tri-state area. So if you look at Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, where they meet, we're we're right there. I can literally look out the shop door and see both other states. Wow. Uh, so, and that part of Iowa is actually very, a lot like Good Evening branches or, or Pennsylvania, uh, you know, trees, some rock, more dirt, mud. So we kind of get the whole gamut of, of off-roading, which played really well going to, to UA this year. It was kind of like wheeling at home. Where some of the other guys, you know, are more used to just rock. <laughs> yeah, I had, sorry. I had heard from um, Dave Hansen that it was actually pretty decent wheeling out there. It is. Dave's a good buddy of mine, actually. So he uh, he's been over here wheeling with us, and he he'll tell you too. He thought I was flat till two years ago. I started a an event for our shop called Complete Off Road Experience, where we call it Core. Dave was a winner the first year. I brought him back this year as one of my, instead of calling him cronies, we called him roadies. But basically the background guy that just, hey, I need this done. Go get this guy off the trail. Fix this. And I had a couple other guys do that that were from year one. But it was fun to bring a lot of our uh, winners were Illinois, 
um, Missouri, kind of that area. They're like, oh, we're going to Iowa to off-road. There's nothing off, you know, you can't off-road in Iowa. We off-road, the local club, we off-road twice a month on a different property. Uh, we, for about the first half of the, the four-month season that we got to wheel, and then we rotate those properties back in. So it's a total of eight or ten properties that we wheel throughout the year or twice a year at different times of the year. Uh, and so we've got rocks, we've got hills, not big rock, but it's, it's off-roading. You got to have lockers and big tires to do it. Oh yeah. So that's pretty cool. Let's a uh, quick thing. I, I have to, I have to ask because I'm a little bit of a snowmobile nut. Well, back in the day when I used to ride a lot more, let me guess, you seem like a Polaris guy. If you look over my shoulder right there, you can see my, uh, my mountain sled. I actually do more riding in the mountains than I do here in Iowa. And uh, I still go to Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin when I can. Uh, my biggest thing I do stone building wise is if you see back there in the corner is a snowcat. I oversee yep. 52 snowcats for the state of Iowa for I was, stone build trails. I was going to ask about that because I like I'm like I was thinking that it was a snowcat, but it's a little bit blurry once it goes that far back in your camera. And uh, that, that's pretty rad. So you're the good guy that comes out at what three in the morning and grooms down the trails and stuff, or are you just working on the snowcats? I uh, I do all of it. I train the guys. You got to be certified to run one in in the state. So I do run the certification program. I run the I'm a co-administrator on the funding program that actually funds it. But then we got 52 clubs, uh, basically in the north part of the state, across the state that they all have a groomer. They go out and they take care of the trails in their specific areas. So it's it. it's another expensive hobby. Probably oh yeah. <laughs> just as expensive as off-roading. So. Oh, I, I yeah. have the most fun with both, but then being in Iowa, they kind of they don't overlap too much. But <laughs> I wish we could get more, we could go snow wheeling. But so yeah, that's something that we we generally don't really see all that often. Um, snow wheeling, like I granted, it's probably probably tends to be that we're more fixing our shit during the winter time rather than wheeling them. But I mean, only a few up like properties near us really offer it, and on top of that, like people who actually want to go. Um, always, I always enjoy a good uh, snow wheeling trip. It's just stupid fun, just trying to spin the tires, get through where you want to go to, and uh, it's you definitely go snow plus. wheeling in a snowcat and get paid for it. Though that sounds, I don't know, that sounds pretty cool. You know, my with my background in off road, I have made a lot of people very nervous riding in the snowcat with me because <laughs> I will place nobody else to put it. And the the added trick is you got about a you know, a three to 4,000 pound drag behind it that's actually doing the work of smoothing the trail. Yep. That it, it, it sounds, so those snowcats go anywhere you want in the snow if they, they're not pulling something. But you put some weight behind them, you gotta, you get a little creative sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really interesting, uh, I don't know if that's a side gig or a, like just a, a, a parallel <laughs> job. Um, but uh, that's super interesting. Road. <laughs> I've been I've done everything from you know just a at the local club level all the state level national level I've gone to DC to talk about it with people with legislators wow. congressmen wow. Uh, just it's it's one of those family traditions I guess to be in snowmobiling and always done it so and then I got hooked up I was just about to get out of it and then I went and rode out in Wyoming and then got hooked all over again so <laughs> It's a whole different thing when you jump off your sled and sink to your 
up to your shoulders in snow. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, see the only the only type of snow that we get like that is like northern New Hampshire, northern Maine, down by me. I mean, like we get a, like some good snow days and we're ditch banging through golf courses and stuff. Um, but we we don't see much over like I mean four feet at the most, even with a good like a foot base. We're barely seeing more than a few like feet of powder on top um so i'm jealous i've always wanted to go out like actual mountain riding and like seeing like six eight foot tree wells and shit like that <laughs> like, just go out and explore and experience it it's an experience and you gotta you gotta be uh in shape which i'm not so it's even a bigger challenge for me <laughs> all righty let's slide off the uh, snowmobile topic let's get yeah, back more into off-road and whatnot so how like start let's go way back let's just hear from the beginning what was the transition between because i'm assuming snowmobiling came first before the jeeps um or anything like that pardon me because it's not jeep uh the off-roading like what was the transition like there actually there wasn't a transition from when i was a kid uh, when i was my mom's daily driver was a 70 76 ih scout so I, and dad had one and we'd go, you know, camp overlanding before overlanding was cool, I guess is what you'd say. And then, you know, it transitioned to Jeeps because Jeeps are more readily available. Um, and been doing that, you know, with my kids and, and wife for a long time, just at a local level and then traveling when we can to, uh, you know, some of the parks and places like that. Don't get to do that as much as I, I would like to. And then finally, you know, up bring it up seven, seven years ago when I started with complete off road, it was, I was tired of just working for Toyota and just, you know, not really being in nowhere to advance a uh, big company. You know, the, the pay was good. The benefits were good, but it, what you were just a number kind of is the way you uh -huh. felt. So I just started, I sent a blind resume. I bought parts from complete off road for, from different rings over the years. And I just sent a, an email with my resume over to, to Rich Conlon, the owner. And I said, hey, you know, are you looking for anybody? I'm I'm looking to make a change. And I think I had to pester him once or twice. And he finally said, why don't you come over and let's talk. And the guy that was doing uh, the sales, kind of the showroom stuff for him, was actually getting deployed and wasn't going to come back afterwards. So he said, yeah, I need somebody. And I started. And I think it was within about six months or something, I just take, kept taking on more responsibilities that I knew how to do. I grew up in a parts store, so the automotive side of things was natural, and been there ever since. Uh, do everything from answer the phone to talk to people at the front counter, write quotes to out in the shop fabricating, building suspensions, and <laughs> I tend to not do the re gears because we got guys that are better at that than me. But I can I can cover it all if I need to. So wow, just a jack of all trades. So it seems that's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's Every day is a, uh, a different day. Uh, you know, one day I'm boxing up parts to go out to customers with our online sales to the next day I might be out there, you know, welding the truss on an axle or or helping the guys do an alignment, whatever comes in the door. Um, you know, honestly, we do everything, suspension and drivetrain. We don't, other than, I always tell everybody, we don't do body work, we don't do automatic transmissions, and we don't do wheels and tires, which is, just a matter of we don't have the we don't have the the I don't have the the space at the shop to store the amount of wheels and tires you have to buy to get a good deal. Mm, so, oh, that's a fair point. So I I've let you know we've we've got some good partnerships with some uh, 
really good tire shops in town that are, you know, mom and pop family owned tire shops that have been around as, as long as we have or longer. And we just, they send up, they send people over for lift kits and all the accessories to us. And we send people over to get tires. Most of the time they're bringing the tires, wheels, tires to us, put on why we're putting suspension together. So it's it. just some good networking and, and working together has made it better for both of us, for all the companies. So, yeah, I mean, that's ideal, right, is to have everybody do a little part. And then you don't have to, well, you don't have to do all of it, uh, well, especially mean, with when you need storage for tires and stuff like that. Right. It's tricky. Well, we, we used to send our alignments over to them, and it got to the point where when you got a lifted JK, for example, it takes a different set of, of uh, specs on what that alignment needs to make it drive right versus the stock one. And the, mm-hmm. you know, the leather alignment shops are going off stock settings that are, you know, already loaded into the alignment machine. Whereas we do enough of them, we know, well, we need a little bit more caster here, a little camber there, whatever, to make that thing drive right. So that it actually drives good when the customer takes it home. And that's, that's been a big, a big plus that we did finally just get our own alignment rack and start taking that on. But it's only a two guy shop, four guys total. There's the owner, myself, and two guys out in the shop. We all cover each other, and it's pretty close-knit family. It's it's a fun, fun place to work. Then everybody's got something different, and we've got everything from a Volkswagen uh, bug sitting in the shop right now to, well, RUA rigs sitting in there, and anything in between. Love it. So let's. We might as well. I guess we just go right into the UA stuff. So, what vehicle did you take? The vehicle that's behind you, or did you take your the shop's UA vehicle as you just well, referred to it? The one behind me is my, that's my personal scout that uh, has got its own crazy build story, but actually was the blueprint for the truck we took on, on UA. But let's talk about UA, then we'll come back to what that thing is. And, oh yeah. And so the adventures that thing's taken me on, but so <laughs> UA, we took it, it was actually a 1956 Willys pickup. Um, we talked about him here a little bit ago. Dave Hansen had the body. Uh, and that's where we got the body from. And it was literally just a body. But there was a frame under it to kind of, you know, put it on the trailer. But no drivetrain, no axles. He had gotten it, was actually using it for a Christmas decoration. <laughs> so we, that uh, sounds... we... Yeah, that sounds like him. He's a cool fucking dude. He is. He's real cool. We got, so to step back a little further, my boss, Rich uh, Conlon, my boss, He's actually been on UA twice before, represent or for Bubba Rope. Um, or actually, they go, they go by Bubba Gear now, which is the recovery ropes and soft shackles. We've, we've actually been a partner of theirs since 2009 when they started the company. Uh, 2009, Rich was at SEMA, and there was this guy with a little booth. He had these soft shackles and ropes, and Rich started talking to him and said, hey, I, we don't have a, a good rope supplier at the time. And we've been with them ever since. And uh, so Rich went on, I'm going to forget the years, 2013. Rich was there. We had a yellow JK. Uh, they were down in Florida. He was on that UA with one of Bubba Rope's uh, employees along. And then 20, I think it's 2014 when they were coming across Iowa. Uh, that's probably the most famous everybody remembers it because uh, Tomboy blew up the, the little truck and had the Mm-hmm. They flat flat towed him across to Iowa. Uh, they actually went to my boss to Rich's place, the Clay Off Road Ranch, and wheeled there. 
So if you ever look up that those episodes, uh, that's that's our testing grounds is is where they held the host UA. And in 2016, uh, Rich was back. That was uh, out in Death Valley, in that area. And I actually had to wait. I started working for Rich the week he got back. Uh, he hired me and says, uh, "You can't start for three weeks because I got to go to an ultimate adventure." <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got back. So, and uh, in those other ones, we had a, a yellow four-door JK. Uh, Bubble Rope called us this year, and we had, had met with him. They, he was in town for a trade show, and we had dinner with him, and we were talking about different things and you know, how much fun it had been to do UA in the past. And I just threw out there said, "Well, if you ever want to do it again, you know, we'll do it. I'll do it." I was looking for a way to get to go to UA, and it wasn't a couple months later. Uh, Jim Flowers, the the guy that runs Bubble Bubble Gear, he said he sent me an email. He says, "Hey, we're we're going to be a sponsor again. Do you guys want to build a rig?" Or and I gave him a call. I said, "What do you what do you think?" He says, "You guys build a rig. I want you and Rich to go. You guys know our product. You guys know how to wheel. I want you guys to be the face of Bubble Rope." So. I said, well, let me get back to you. I see, you know, the shop schedule is going to allow us to do it. I went over to Rich's office. I said, hey, uh, Jim called, wants us to do, and before I could even finish my sentence, he said, yep, let's go. And then it was trying to figure out what to take because we were going to do a JK. JKs are overdone. (laughs) True. You know, we were looking at different things. We were throwing out ideas like, you know, a new Ford Maverick or a new Ford Bronco or, you know, a, a gladiator, all these different things. And uh, it was actually Rich's brother's like, why don't you get into a Willie's wagon? And that, that sent Rich into a side spin uh, to do an FC, you know, the, the, the cab over Jeep. Yes. And yes. 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 <laughs> We've got a collection of, a, I think we're up to six of them at the shop now. Wow. <laughs> none, of them have, none of them have ever been sought after. They show up. People just call us up, say, hey, I've got one. Do you want it? Or I know this one's for sale. Things like that. Two of them run and drive the rest are parts. But we got to look and to try to clear at least, you know, we knew we wanted to run 40s because you never know where UA is going to take you. Yeah. Try to get an FC to clear 40s <laughs> and, have it, and have any kind of reliable steering. <laughs> isn't going to happen. And have yeah. leg room when you cut the whole like foot well out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and it, I don't know if anybody's ever driven a cab. You know, if you've ever driven a cab over, you know what I mean. But it is when you're out front of everything, you're the you're the first one to everything. So I, I was like, yeah. we we kind of scratched that idea. Then we settled on doing a Willie's pickup. I knew Dave had that that body. I called him up and I said, Dave, I need a I need to make a deal on that. Willie's truck, and we we went back for a little bit, made a, a pretty sweet deal on it, and got it up here. And then it was like, okay, so we got a body. What are we gonna do for the rest of it? Uh, my scout, my seventy eight scout that uh, we mentioned here a minute ago, is on a JK two door JK frame. I said I started looking at wheelbase measurements, and a Willie's pickup and a four door JK are within I think it's an inch of each other, or an inch or two. I said, well, that's government math. It's all good. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> you got a, a modern frame. We knew we wanted to run, you know, LS power. So we went and bought a 
I think it's a 2000 Chevy half ton. Got a 5.3, 4L60, 241. Uh, Scrap the electric 241 and put a, a manual shift 241 behind it. And everything else was, you know, just order parts because you got a JK platform that every make, everybody makes stuff on it. So it's, it's a stock LS. Um, we put new lifters and push rods in it and re resealed it. Uh, we thought about doing cam or, you know, let's do a super turn that. And we, I just decided that reliability was going to be better than uh, big horsepower. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Especially in an older vehicle, like like a frame, pardon me, with it being on the frame, like it looks cooler when it's just reliable as fuck, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, and so we, you know, no, I think it's Novak mounts, freshened up everything else, mounted that all in there. Uh, I do, Barnes makes a really good three-link kit for the front, and we actually ended up using their three-link rear kit, put some uh, Icon coil springs and shocks on it, we're an icon dealer. Uh, we've got, you know, we've got a long history with Bubble Rope. We've got a long history with Yukon as well. Where Randy's Worldwide is the parent company, and they own they own Dynatrack, they own uh, Icon, and a couple others now. So we called them up, and said, "Hey, this is what we're doing." They sent us uh, some pretty good deals on JK coils, and I think they're four inch coil springs and and shocks. And then you got Willie's fenders on it, so you got tons of clearance already. Uh, well, I'll try to think what else. Rad Designs, Rory's a. If you guys are looking for an automatic shifter for those XJs, I don't know if you've ever looked at his shifters. He uh, he started building stuff for for XJs, and then mm -hmm. he's just gonna expand out of there. Makes a really sweet, fully adjustable, customizable shifter. So we put that in there to, to run it. And like I said, all the stuff I was buying, it was just basically. Replicating what my uh, my invoices for myself were already were to build mine. <laughs> uh, other than we did custom cage, Rich built the cage in it because you know nobody makes anything for a, a Willie's pickup other than restoration parts. The body itself is untouched. We put stickers on it. That's it. And um, we're actually in the in the process of trying to get a title for it. We tracked it back to all the way back to it was a government truck out in the Salt Lake City area. It was a government issue, uh, like Forest Service truck that somehow ended up in Missouri and then ended up in a backyard in Illinois and now to, to us. So uh, axles, you know, we went with the tried and true uh, recipe of a, a 14 bolt in the rear with a ARB air locker, 538 gears. Ooh, I bet that wasn't cheap for a 14 bolt. No, but we're an ARB dealer, so we get a little, little bit. You get a little cut off the top. <laughs> but not much, honestly. But it was it was one of those deals when you got to drive it. You know, and this year yeah. ended up only being like eight hundred and ninety miles or so, nine hundred miles. But yeah, when you know you got to drive on the highway, you want to be able to unlock it, mm -hmm. and you know you have some highway driving. So, air locker was at first. There's nobody else really out there for a, a rear selectable and a fourteen bolt. Uh, we did get a new enough one that it already had. Uh, disc brakes and parking brakes, you know, already in it. So just new parts there. I'm a big fan of doing off the the readily available stuff. That if I'm somewhere wheeling and I got need a part, I can go to a parts store. You know, go to O'Reilly's, go to Advance Auto, wherever, and get the parts I need to, to not ruin a, a weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, so minimal, minimalistic on the the 
the custom stuff, I guess, where I'm at on a lot of these the builds we do. A custom application on OEM parts. Yeah. Yes. Very good way to put it. <laughs> uh, Super Duty 60 front out of a F350 and Artec trusses and then, the, you know, the Barnes 3-Link kit. And it just, everything came together. It works. It drives down the road good. Uh, Raceline beadlocks that we had powder coated because I said I, we just couldn't put shiny beadlocks on a, a <laughs> trusty old truck like that. I said, let's, let's powder coat them with them look like wagon wheels. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm an old school guy. I'm a I'm a sucker for steel wagon wheels. So we made them look like that, but still have you know the flexibility and the being able to bounce them with beat with the bead locks. So mm-hmm. and we originally had some 37 inch or 38 inch Falcons on it because we didn't know who the tire sponsor was. We didn't know as we were building this truck, there was very little that was coming out because you know they were having. It's been a down couple of years for for Ultimate Adventure and yeah. And you know, sponsors wanting, and it's been you know some a lot of the big big companies are getting bought and sold to other big companies that don't understand the the value of being on something like an ultimate adventure and the the notoriety it gets your company. So we're kind of waiting. Uh, actually, the first, if you go back and look at our Facebook page, the first pictures of it uh, out when I was test driving it, it's got falcons on it, and uh, you know, at the last minute, I know, I know you guys are a fan of them. The Patagonia came on. Oh yeah, love those. I'm sure, I'm sure Cody has questions about those tires and the trip. But we'll save them. We'll save yeah. them. The whole world has questions about those tires. <laughs> it, it is on 40 inch Patagonias, um, and we'll dive into that. But that's you know, the rest of it was just basic gear that you need on any four-wheeler. Put a Warren winch on the front. Uh, mm. I, you know, oh, I get yeah. customers coming all the time that want a winch, and I always tell them, if it if your your job or getting home depends on that winch, put a warrant on. If it's there to look cool, put something else on. Um, okay, and that's, that's fair. It, you know, and how many JKs you see running around with a winch on it that never gets spooled out? Um, probably quite. A, there there are quite a few. Sure. I, I still say, you know, one of these, one of these uh, April Fool's times, somebody needs to just make a plastic winch that you can bolt in there. Because there's a lot more people to look. Doesn't Rough yeah. Country have the the magnetic fair lead? <laughs> I tried buying it from them. They won't sell you one. <laughs> I think that was an April Fool's thing that they did. Oh, maybe it was. Well, uh, they got the poser stand, and they've got a few. <laughs> but I've I've called it. We're you know. You have to, in a retail shop, you have to be able to cover all people's uh, budget levels. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we do offer rough country, and I call up my rep. I'm like, how do I get one of those? I just want one to put on the counter or play jokes when we're out on the trail. And he's like, no, because <laughs> we made like two of them and we won't get them away. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be that hard to make. You just get a big old magnet, you get a fair lead, and you take a little bit of, you know, soft, soft shackle or soft winch rope and a hook. <laughs> <laughs> I've never made one because I want the one that's. I want to say that I've got the one from the hill. Yeah, the that's picture. fair. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's the truck um, in a nutshell. You know, interior wise, um, I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of it. Um, actually, just today, Four Wheeler dropped a video talking about some of the rigs. And the last rig they talk about on the video is ours. 
Okay. And a yeah, I've been movie. scouring on the side here trying to find a picture of it. I haven't come up with anything yet. So it's a there's some video like I said. More, uh, if you look up complete off road on Facebook, we shared it today as soon as I saw it come out. Uh, there's some interior pictures of it. We completely redid the interior. Uh, Bullet Liner was a sponsor this year, so we we did Bullet Liner in the bed and the interior floor, and then we did a different like a sound deadening liner and heat barrier on the bottom of the cab just because it, yeah. you know, it was a 10, it's a 10 box and we knew we had a ride in it. There's CJ, CJ seven seats and a lot of stuff on the catalog. Oh yeah. That's I guess, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, the only thing I forgot, I guess it would say is it's a Holly Terminator X Mac or Terminator Max that was that's running the system. Uh, it, it handles, you know, the transmission and the engine, and it performs flawlessly the whole week. And and you can go out there anytime and hit the key and it fires right up. Well, this Damn. is good information. I yeah. uh, sorry. <laughs> I apologize that I keep cutting in my I'm sorry about that. Um, I honestly I didn't realize that they also had a training management with the motor management because that's that's really nice to have it all in one, nice and simple. That's sweet. Yeah. I've got a sixty-five Chevelle that was that's my son's, uh, that I had used that same system in. And when we were going to LS, you know, everybody's like, Oh, LS, everybody does LS. Well, it's it goes back to that parts availability where no matter where you're at, um, that that Holly Terminator uses all factory sensors. The only non-LS sensor it uses is a mass air temp sensor that is off a six-five Chevy diesel. So you 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 plumb that in with your on your on the backside of the throttle body, one O2 sensor, and then a, you got that little three and a half inch screen. You you tell it what it wants, and it just runs, and it's constantly you know learning. So if you got I'd be interested to take it up in the mountains and see, you know, elevation, how quick it adapts. But around here, it doesn't carry temperature-wise or what anything. It it just adapts and runs. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That is definitely an interesting way of doing it. How do you think that that compares to, say, for example, the classic, you know, buying a wiring harness or a standalone harness and running that with a factory computer in terms of reliability? Having done both. The Holly's way better route to go. If you can take the time and, and doing, you know, weed down the harness yourself, you're saving money there. But in the end, you still got a, you know, probably a five to 15 year old harness that could, has been heat cycled mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of times. And, you know, you never know the, the clips are brittle, the wires are brittle. Uh, they're usually not very clean. And the and the vehicles you get you know donor motors out of, so you deal with all that. Uh, the last one I did, I think I had two nights sitting in the shop with a you know a chug of plywood. It laid out, you know, unpinning, un unlooming everything. And then you still got if if you don't have the software yourself, you're still paying you know six hundred to a thousand dollars to a to somebody to to unlock the stock computer, program it for you, get the truck running, take it back to them to do any tuning on it. The I think that the Terminators are like fifteen hundred bucks, sixteen hundred bucks. It's to me, it's a no brainer to to jump to the Holly system and be done, have all new wiring, uh, and be able to program it yourself. And there's a 
I mean, it doesn't, you can add in there if you got turbo, if you got supercharger, nitrous, any of the fun, fun power adders you want to put to it, it'll let you adjust that stuff right in there. It's, if you can play with a cell phone, you can, you can set that terminator up. <laughs> yeah, hey, honestly, that's a good think... marketing thing right there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's people when I might see them. I'm going to tell them, tell, go see Holly and tell them, you know, I'm selling your stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, even just not having to go through factory wiring harnesses is a seems like a plus to me. I've I did like uh recently had to go through one of my interior harnesses. It didn't even have that much stuff in it, but it was just all the factory electrical tape and looming and like cloth wraps around yeah. some sections. I was over it. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't wanna There's a reason not a lot of people pare down their existing wiring harnesses because it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> so uh, there's supposed to be a new version coming too. They got some new update. They got a five inch screen out for it now. And the, of course the big seven that everybody mm-hmm. always sees. But um I do know that they've expanded into uh the four applications too. So Yeah I was guys- I was looking at them. Um because I was looking at doing a 5.0 swap, but that ended up going the way of the Dodo Bird, thanks to uh, the realization as to how much money I was about to drop to make the same horsepower as a stock LS, and my rig's fine with the 4.0 for now. You can't kill a 4.0. I'm a huge fan of oh, a 4.0. That, that's, <laughs> a, that's a lie. <laughs> that's the worst bold-faced <laughs> lie I've heard. Yeah, you gotta try really hard to kill a four. How about we go there? Luke Not doesn't even try that hard. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you're talking to two. So Graham and Luke are yeah, but mine never. I mean, it, that first one never gave up the ghost. It just sounded awful, and it I, it was not going to end well if I continued. Uh, the second one, though, I, there was technically nothing wrong with that one. Um, <laughs> it's it's just. It ran with no coolant and then uh, definitely no head gasket. I don't know how it was doing its thing. Luke, I'm on the four seven. Do the Ford V eight four seven. They make a uh, they make a terminator. Arden, what was that last part you said? Terminator. They make for the a high terminator for, for the four seven. There's one in this one right here. That oh. truck over my, <laughs> my other shoulder. So that's a Crown Vic chassis under there with a 4.7. And that's all. Uh, we haven't fired it yet, but it's got a Terminator harness on it. <laughs> so we it. don't know if it works yet. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen other guys that have. That's actually not even my truck. It's a buddy's truck. So uh, he okay. wanted to weed down a harness, and I didn't want to weed down a harness. So I talked to him to the, the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, love it. Um, all right, so let's. What do you guys want to know about UA? I was just about to say, um, because I think we've only ever had one other guy on who ran UA, and that was Tyler, right? And Brandon. Yeah, but he just ran UA, so and like, Nick, I think Nick LeBlanc did as well, right? Yep. yep. Okay, so I'm I'm just dumb. Never mind. We'll disregard. We've had a few people on. Um. What like what is your mental preparation when you're going into this? Because obviously it's not just a normal wheeling day. You got a whole week of this. Like what extra spare parts are you bringing that like are not normal? Obviously drive shafts, axle shafts, shit like that. But like what's the weird quirks that that rig had that you were like, eh, maybe we bring an extra track bar or something? Like what was it? 
Uh, we should have brought an extra track bar mount, as it turned out. But, <laughs> uh, no, actually, I think the only odd spare part we brought was an extra ma uh, mass air temp sensor, just because not every part's for stockstone. So I knew that was one that you know we might run into needing. We ended up not needing it. Oh, not it's your standard U joints, axle shafts, um, some wheel bearings. We actually mounted our spare in a Baja style right behind the driver in the box mm. and then bolted a, a whole extra super duty hub in into the wheel. And that way we had an extra lockout, we had an extra hub bearing, studs, everything right there. And it was, you know, locked down. We had extra lug nuts. Uh, it actually turned out the only thing, the only problem we had was on day one of wheeling, uh, we were at Rock Run. It's in Pennsylvania. I don't remember exactly where in Pennsylvania. And there's some big boulder fields in that park. And we were coming through one and this truck went steer. And the, our track bar and hydro, hydraulic assist, the PSE ram, share a mount. So one, the PSE ram is mount, mount is piggybacked on the track bar. Mm -hmm. And it just was enough that it, the, the stock RTEC layout or it's just a stock. The Artec layout, we should have put some more bracing in it. Uh, mm. You know, something we kind of overlooked and kind of went, huh, we should have thought of that. But mm -hmm. when you build a truck in, a, in about two and a half months, sometimes you forget things or don't yeah. see things. It's never, two months is not enough time to work out every little tiny possibility, that's for sure. You know, it for me, it turned out to be one of the highlights of the, the whole week for me because uh, we jumped in, you know, I jumped out, so I grabbed the tools. Chris Durham pulled his little blue pickup up next to us and fired up his uh, his welder mm -hmm. and uh, got to work, you know, shoulder to shoulder with Chris Durham, which is, to me, one of the legends of UA. Uh, super down-to-earth guy, and he'd say, grind this or cut this. I just went as a plate as apprentice, and <laughs> we, we went around in probably an hour. I think it took us from the time we broke to back six hour, hour and a half. And then when we got back to the hotel that night, he says, I, I think we need to put some more weld on that. So we got back under there and we uh, added a little bit more bracing and we never had a problem out of it the rest of the week. So that was actually our only breakdown all week was, was the, uh, the track bar on day one. We fixed it. And at the, uh, the unofficial awards at the end of the event, they always have a, you know, the cronies get a pick on everybody. And, give out fake awards and uh i forget what they the most reliable or something they, they gave us they said, we could come up with anything else you you were kind of just always there and everything worked all week so oh yeah terrible if you <laughs> have want to, to fix that, that for next year right i said we should have done more more fun stuff we were at so i drove the only day i actually drove up was during a good evening and uh it was a good day to drive fun. That was a very good day. I well that morning we got up and and Rich looked at me and said, "You want to drive?" I said, "Yeah, I've heard of this place. I'm driving." <laughs> I want to. And you know that truck is built just like my own personal rig is, so it was very jumping it and everything was kind of second nature. And I think we did all of the main, you know, the the most talked about that I've heard of, you know, parts of. I think we we're up in the is it they call it the little Rubicon. Yeah, Rubicon. Yeah, yeah. Rubicon. Yep. 
Yeah. Little Rubicon, and, Rubicon, something like that. Yeah, you got those kind of big steps to come up, and then you're coming across all the boulder fields. Yep. yep. And uh, Durham kind of looked, pointed at me and said, "Put it, point it down to this is the line you want." And I, who am I to argue? And mm-hmm. so I just started coming through there, and and three or four of them were, you know, stay on it, stay on it, because you got this kind of a double bump to go through there. Mm-hmm. And I came down dead stop. Ooh. And Trent McGee was right out my door, and he's like, "I'm like, he's like, oh, that's interesting." And I'm like, "What broke?" I thought, you know, axles broke, something like that. He says, "Oh, nothing. You just split the rock in half." <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Zip <laughs> coming right in, just split a rock right in half. <laughs> uh, but, that's what Graham you know, does. You know, I, yeah, that is his move. <laughs> We we actually manufacture or used to manufacture our own diff covers. They're a, they're a cast nodular iron diff cover, and I purposely will at least once a run bounce my front diff cover into something just to prove that it works. We actually put a bounty on them. If you can break them, we'll give you a hundred bucks in a new cover. Hmm. Wow! All um, right, do you make Super Duty covers? Because I'll take you up on that bet. I mean, say or no. Graham. <laughs> Unfortunately, we stopped. We didn't. We never developed the Super Duty cover. We just do the standard sixty, the forty-four, and the thirty. So ah, uh, no ten-five. No ten-five. I UConn actually took took a, a variation of ours, and I think they make a ten-five and a Super Duty cover that's very similar. Yep. yep. They just don't put their bounty on it. <laughs> I can tell them they should. The Yukon will cover is pretty cheap too. I was surprised. It's uh, you know, compared to some of the other ones, it's I mean, it's, it's well, seems just as I strong. I got the forking bolt on the back of my rig and on the back of of the UA truck. Mm-hmm. Um, they I've both got a, I've got a solid on the back of mine, and it does not give a fuck, and has not given a fuck yet. Yeah, those solids are pretty good too. I like I liked the one mm-hmm. I had on the on the fifty. Some would even say that they're solid. Oh God! Stop it! Stop it! Jeez! Um, you say, Graham, you should have you should have grabbed one of those when you had the fifty, man. You were diffing out on fucking everything. You would have put that cover through its paces. Yeah, that solid cover is was. I mean, Luke had already done a number on it before me, but but the, that I was think uh, have it floating around or it's on somebody's rig. That came from Dan McPherson off of his rig. Yeah, that thing was beat. It never ca- it never gave up though. It it was never leaked. It was pretty well shaved down, but still very functional. It leaked so, less than my rough stuff cover. I'll give it that. Did any of the guys from the UA try to go through keyhole? Did you guys go up onto that obstacle? Then, uh, no. Well, um, did you do the buggy line through keyhole, or did you do the standard like? One of the two, like I guess, there's kind of two ways into keyhole technically. The runs prime lines or the buggy lines. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not familiar familiar enough with either to tell you which one we did. I know, so we came, you know, dropped in. What they said was keyhole. You know, you kind of come down through it, and then you come there. What is it? You turn to the left and then kind of the right, and there's like a buggy line that's kind of a big pointed pile of rocks. Yeah, so uh, like there's nothing on the other side. Yeah, I think so. You guys definitely did. So you did the main trail on Keyhole, which is like through the center. But so when um when I was there, a few of the guys that are into X Rocks or know of X Rocks like showed me this line that you go up 
to the right. So if you were at like in the field looking up towards Keyhole, you go through that first like weird little like rock that it doesn't look like anything, but it always seems to just fuck everybody up. And then you take a right into the but like there's a V notch just to your right. You go up into the V notch and then drop down and then go through the rock to the left. And that's why it's called the Keyhole. And it's um if you look at I think who just posted it? I think it was X Rocks when they were there. Um, and it's just like it is the craziest thing because we don't really have like massive, large rock exposed, like exposed above yeah. ground up by us. So it was really interesting to see that style of like rock formation, and then also to look at the backside of Keyhole when the X Rocks guys did it, where he went up, crabbed over to the left, and then did a reverse drop down like a ten foot like sh- vertical. It was just nasty to see in person. It was just like, somebody fucking did this backwards? Like, what kind of shit are these guys on? <laughs> it was cool. I, I did the, like I said, what I guess they said was keyhole over the radio was, you know, kind of, there's massive, you're kind of sliding down between two big rocks. It's kind of a big crevice. And then you turn, the only obstacle I, I didn't do that day was right after that, um, there was this climb, and it looked like it, you know, I'm going, and Rich walked around to the other side of it to spot, and he just started shaking his head, no, and doing this, you know, cut the, the cutthroat, bail out. And then so I went around, I'm like, well, there's something he doesn't like. I went around the other side, and there was just this huge gap. Um, I mean, the, some of the guys with the flat fenders would have fallen completely in it, but the other guys were slot, you know, they were, some guys were doing it. Um, I want to say maybe Keith Bailey ended up puncturing his his transmission uh, pan on it, Oof. and they ended up having to fix him right there. So everybody else kind of bailed on it. We kept going on down, and that's when we went on over towards like the Rubicon. Yeah. So but, yeah. So it was the so it's probably just off a of honey hole, Graham and Luke. If you remember the yep. one way to the left, um, I think that's what he's referring to. Because I know that when the Runs Prime yeah, guys were. Pardon? Honey hole might have been what called. The, the big one with the rocks you go down between two big rocks. Maybe that's honey hole. They were talking it's about all, both of them right in the area. Yeah, they're all in that same yeah. kind of area. Then you go down the hill and it brings you right to Rubicon, either the lower side or the upper side of Rubicon. And I don't know. The only reason I asked that was because uh, when we've had a few other people on, they mentioned that the UA guys tend to try to weird people away from doing hard stuff because they want to remind people that you're wheeling for a week, not just for a day. So I was just curious if that's something that they continue to do, which is like completely understandable. You know, they, if everybody breaks on the first day, well then their videos fucking blown up and now yeah. they can't like, so I respect their wishes when they say that, but it's also like, damn, like what if somebody did something cool? That's good. Like content, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they always, you know, they always remind, you know, wheel for the week, not for the day, until that last day. <laughs> so when we, uh, the last day we were at Hollerwood, uh, it was pretty much, you know, everybody uncorked it and, and was trying a lot harder lines. And it's different, you know, for like us, we've got a, you know, we've got a responsibility to bubble rope to represent them for the whole week. So what, you know, in a, in a situation like that, where there was that big gap that I, I got all the confidence in the truck, we could have done it. But it's like, let's not push it today. Um, I promise I'm coming back out there. I, I want to bring my rig out there. and and uh, Well, next I wanna... year, right around September time, if you're not doing UA, which it seems they do it the same week, but you want to come out to the Webulars Ball, you're more than welcome to hey, join. 
<laughs> I've already put it on the calendar that sometime I'm waiting for you. You guys got to make sure you tell me when it is. And uh, actually, Dave and I both have already talked. We're going to we're going to be out there. Hell yeah. So, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> it keeps getting bigger and it's actually like becoming a little bit of a there, conundrum. There's even there's even been talk of, uh, you know, I said earlier, we started the Clue Off Road Experience and we've kept it in Iowa, the, well, Iowa and Illinois the last two years uh, that I want to go somewhere. And that is on the list of one of the places to maybe take the event is to take the Clue Off Road Experience and go wheel. It's a a great park for it, too, because having the cabins on property, it just makes it very accessible for anybody from who's traveling far. Like they could pre-rent a cabin. They're not super expensive. And worst case scenario, if they're all rented out, there's like four hotels, eight minutes down the streets, nine minutes down the street. So it's a really nice park for that. Um, I think there's a significant amount of go around. So if you don't have somebody who's extremely uh, well experienced, but they want to like go check out a black and they want to go put tires on it. Well, they don't have to worry about having to get winched through some fuck fest, if you will. And they can just kind of back down. Go, All right, let's try this next year when I have X, Y, Z over what they have. So I think it's a very fun property. Not to mention if people like to go fast, there's some pretty good greens that you can kind of scoot around on. And, uh, and yeah, we had how many people there? I think we had it was over fifty rigs for sure that were just from our seventy. Like, seventy. My apologies. Um, we did not see another group like at all, really. I mean, Graham, how many other groups did we really come across that were like not our group or like one or two stragglers? Good talk, Graham. We were out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thought you're gonna ignore me. Yeah, like when we we're out wheeling and whatnot. Like we like how often did That's we see? A, uh, a couple times. I mean, there was enough people out that if you were bombing between a bunch of the different lines, you were bound to see one group doing something, especially if you were close to the cabins up in the back. That mm-hmm. was, it's pretty accessible and easy to get to. And there's, that's where a lot of people started, especially people on that side of the, the camp. Um, but when you got over by Honey Hole, there was always people too. But I mean, there's enough, enough space there that even with that many rigs, you can. You can spread out and do something and, uh, you know, be away from any other traffic. groups and then have a good time. I mean, yeah. there was still traffic because the big, the group, at least the groups that we were in were pretty large most of the time. But <laughs> it's out the fuck, fun. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> the camera crew got a cabin, but we got, we were stuck in tents. So that was one of the camping nights was that good evening. Actually, two nights we're at camping at good evening. Damn, you so, didn't get a cabin? You didn't get yourself no. a cabin for the night? Oh man. No. There was no. there was some good shitters and showers in those cabins, I'll tell you what. The the camera crew gets it because, you know, they got a they're uploading every night trying to, you know, MPST cards and yeah, there are, cameras. So and those guys, you know, and it was hot. That week it was hot. <laughs> was it and, I don't remember being all that oh. warm, to be honest. It was pretty warm. It was hot and humid. It was upper 80s, low 90s all week. Damn. And we, we uh, you know, those camera guys, they're, they're, they've got a van, a support van. I was carrying all the equipment, but when they're, we're on trail, they're hiking up and down the trail. They're radioing back and forth. Hey, we got, you know, a broke rig here. You know, and even the, the, the still photography guys are still using their cameras to take some digital video at times mm-hmm. if somebody else can't get to it. And had an awesome drone pilot, Kyle, the the drone pilot. He 
he did some awesome work with with the drone. Uh, I'm I'm anxious to see the the episodes when they come out. But yeah, we got into Good Evening on Tuesday night. I think it was like eight nine o'clock at night. It was dark, mm-hmm. and had to set up kit, you know, set up tents in the dark and wake up. And we wheeled, and then we stayed, and then left. The, the, we wheeled Wednesday, and then left Thursday morning. Hell the yeah. next stop. We skipped a little bit ahead. Let's push back to the beginning. So, where was the first property that you guys stopped at? I apologize. I was the reason wow. we started talking about good well, evening. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, problem. no problem. Rock Run in Pennsylvania was the. Uh, so it's just northeast of Blairsburg. Or Blairsville, sorry, Blairsville. That's where we, you know, UA kicked off was, and that's all you know ahead of time is, hey, be at Blairsville on this date by this time. Mm. And they, they tell you, you know, okay, make hotel reservations at this town, at this hotel. Uh, there's trailer parking, you know, here for the beginning, or if you want to have your trailer at the end, park at the end. We decided to park our trailer at the end in Kentucky because we knew it would drive to get up to the start. Mm-hmm. We didn't know if it drive you know, <laughs> back to the start. <laughs> so we uh so Blairsville was you know where we kicked off and he uh had a state trooper stop in and talk and he he actually arranged to give us police escort in and out of town both days because we we went up to Rock Run, wheeled there, then came back to Blairsville that night. Uh probably I think it was one in the morning, one three in the morning by the time I got to the in the hotel room from you know, we fixed our truck and then jumping in helping other everybody else help. You know, we put a, I helped put a tie rod on that Quigley van, the big green one. Oh, jeez, that uh, big old thing. <laughs> that, I tell you what, Tyler, the guy that drives that, he's, he's quality of control and, and planner or something like that for, for Quigley, but that guy can wheel and put a, a, a square peg in a round hole more better than anybody else they know. But so yeah, so the day one of wheeling was Blair's uh, Rock Run, just north of Blairsville, and then Tuesday we got up and it was more of a road day. But none of the days were 100 percent road. Uh, they found a, a back gravel, dirt roads, something to you know. They we had to use four wheel drive at some point every day, uh, mm-hmm. but we did end up over at the uh, Flight 93 Memorial, which is really cool to see. Um, especially, you know, that timing, it's right, we were there three days before 9-11. And just to see that, you know, it's a really neat memorial. Mm-hmm. And then we back on the road, stop, hey, get groceries, you're camping for two days. And then we pulled into the good evening that night, the good evening for the next day. Um, and then we were on to, uh, they called the Daniel Boone Backcountry Byway. Which That's is, a hell of hell of a saying. She sells seashells by the shore. Exactly. Look it up if if you want some pretty legit wheeling. While I mean, you also you come out and you're in somebody coming along the edge of somebody's backyard, back onto the road, and but they're all marked. It's got markers. And there's a, a website you can actually download the maps of where it is. Uh, Part of it, you're going along and it drops in, and you're you're going down a sh- uh, you know a, a creek with shale shelf. You're wheeling up and down them. There's some mud holes. Uh, we came up to one, and it was a three foot ledge that you had to climb up over to even get keep going down the trail. Um, but they're actually legit highways from the 
twenties and thirties that they haven't closed. They just don't maintain them other than, you know, people go out there occasionally and, and move, so, you know, cut logs out of the way, trees out of the way and that. I uh, did a couple sections of that and then ended up over in uh, West Virginia with the Hatfield McCoy trail system. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all. Yeah, that's been uh, a bucket list set of trails for me. So it started out there, ATV and UTV dirt bikes only. Um, and they started figuring out, uh, we actually had the state uh, state senator, Mark Maynard, join us for two days of wheeling. Um, he pulled what? up, he's got a, yeah, he pulled up and it, he showed up, he, he rode with one, one of the, one of the cronies, but he's got a, he's got a, oh, I think it's like a 2000 XJ that's painted up to look like it should be at, you know, Evil Knievel's next jump. Red, white, and blue, and got named on the side. And everything. This is a campaign vehicle, but he's the guy that has got, you know, made these trails open and got them to open to full-size rigs. So there's three sections of the Hatfield McCoys that you can actually do with full-size rigs now. Um, Ivy Branch is the one we started on. Very legit wheeling trails. Uh, but you can come right out of town. There's cabins. Look them up. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other name the other two are. They're drawing a blank right now. One's right in the state park. You're wheeling in the state park in West Virginia. Um, you know, you just buy a, a, a pass to get on, on the trails and you got to wear helmets. That's probably the, the one thing that's maybe a stickler for some people is they do require a helmet to be on those trails. But uh, you know what? I'm going to just be brutally honest with that. If wearing a helmet, especially one of like the small style helmets, is that big of a fucking deal, you know, maybe you shouldn't be at that property. Why? I can Why? Oh, 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 I misunderstood. Sorry, Luke. I, I, I thought you were saying like, oh, you don't go he was because, fighting. Yeah, you're I was like, no, it's just a no, fucking helmet. No. Like, like you're half. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. You, already, you already got the tism, Luke, bro. You don't you don't need head trauma, okay? Yeah, no, I, I've actually gotten head trauma from wheeling. So like no. should have wore a helmet. Wore yeah, a literally. Um XJ door frames will do you real dirty, real quick. <laughs> um wear your seatbelt and wear your helmet, kids. Don't end up like me with brain ramage. Brain ramage, boys. Uh <laughs> So yeah, so those those trails were awesome. Uh, we ended up the we did those for like two and a half days of just the, the three different sections, um, and we didn't even scratch the surface of those trails. I mean, there's thousands of miles of trails that you can you can go do. Uh, all the towns are very welcoming. That was one of the really cool things is you know the the police showed up, made sure we had routes through town. Uh, they, you know, they realize that the economic impact of guys coming to town and, you know, we're spending money with our, you know, the rig to get there. You're staying at a hotel and you're eating, you're eating in town. You're buying parts in town. You're putting fuel in your rig to go out on the trails. They figured it out. And, uh, it was really cool to see a, a state so welcoming to, you know, off-road. You know what? I will be. I'll say this. Tennessee and Pennsylvania have also been doing really, really good about that. Pennsylvania just went through and they've got that whole 81 corridor where there's a lot of side-by-side -side stuff opening up now. 
which is awesome to see, and I'm really excited for when that carries over to more full-size stuff. Or if it does. I think it will. Um, as those side-by-sides get bigger, it, you know, and I, it's something we've got, here in Iowa, we've got, I think, seven or nine parts that are open to UTVs and ATVs and dirt bikes, but they're even, you know, they're starting to limit the width of what UTVs yep. can be in them. And, and the same I, with us in New I, Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I started voicing my opinion that, you know, why, why are you limiting? You got people that want to pay to, to come out there. And of course my, my motive is, is some of these, some of these UTVs, you know, the Can-Ams that they're getting as big as a Jeep anyways. Why can't, why can't we take our, you know, our, our off-road rigs or full size as they, they call them rigs out uh, on these trails too. And I, I'll pay a trail pass to be able to go oh, yeah. play in some of the park, you know? Well, it's like, uh, there's a bunch of state land around here where they're starting to let side-by-sides in, and I'm like, okay, cool, you guys are going to keep doing that, like, let's cut these trails three feet wider, you know, maybe six feet wider at the intersections, and you can easily get Jeeps through there without a problem, and it's more land to go and wheel, which is sick. And there's a ton of federal funding out there if you know how to apply for it. And that's what West Virginia's been doing. You know, they they figured out how to how to apply for it and how to utilize it because you know the mining industry pulled out of there. Um, and a lot of the areas we are on are old mines. Yeah, there's there was still. Oh, uh, I don't know who that was. Just yeah, he just tried to say something. It sounded like go ahead, Richie. Say it with your chest, boy. Oh, I was just saying, look at Roush. That's an old coal mine. Yeah. Yep. Um, so is uh, AOAA. Yeah, I knew that one. I didn't know that Roush was, though. It makes sense now that after looking at, like, on the far side of the property, um, definitely kind of gives coal mine vibes. But, but, yeah, you are absolutely right. In New Hampshire, that's how they limit, like, Jeeps being able to go on trail. It's, like, I think it's, like, 80-something inches wide or 79. Or it's something, or it's, like, something just under a Cherokee, and you could get away with it. But you're absolutely right. Like, I think the new X3s, they come now stock oversized, for, and you can't even run oh. them in New Hampshire. And I'm sure they're still getting away with it because it looks just like the rest of them, according to, you know, probably the, the laws, not laws, but to the uh, police and whatnot. Um... But you're absolutely right. Hopefully, at some point, if they all are coming out to be over the size that is required, that it might bleed over to where it's like, shoot, now it's time to start letting Jeeps in here, which is more money for the state. Like, yeah, it's going to take probably going to take its toll on the trails a little bit more than just some side by sides. But also us Jeep dummies aren't really necessarily no, like, those things have way more horsepower and way smaller tires <laughs> and can dig shit up just as bad as a, a Jeep can. If yeah, not but you have to then, you're also, so people with side-by-sides are generally enthusiasts. They understand that they're going off-roading because they came from, like, quads back in the day. And, like, they kind of have the mentality where then you get some 16-year-old kid in his grandmother's JK because she's asleep on her sleeping pills or whatever and now buries it. Well, now they have to deal with that because it is, like, it's just, I don't know, I think it's probably more of a liability or something stupid. Yeah, but if it's an actual, like, organized park, then that's not, you know... It's a little different. If it's just that's a fair, public that's trail, a then yeah, that's you know, that's up to that's the point. local law enforcement to figure out how they want to handle that. But I mean, if it's a private park and it's for off-roading, 
and they're limiting on size, but they're making oversized That's a good point. UTVs of any kind, then you know it's it's the there'll, same, there'll it's the same thing. At some point, it's gonna meet. You know, the rubber's gotta meet the road and figure it out. So it'll be interesting how it. It'll be interesting how UT how much bigger UTVs are gonna go um, yeah. before they start getting noticed. You know, on a federal level for other standards. So knowing yeah. some of the guys. What's Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, knowing some of the guys in that industry, um, you know, at the OEMs and that, because some of them are, you know, former snowmobile guys that I've worked with, uh, from their standpoint, they're like, you know, they really don't want, you know, to be able to drive them down the roads and be a, a, a allowed on the highways uh, because they don't, they want to stay under that. I mean, how, how expensive are they going to get the guys who are doing crash test ratings on those versus oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you make a good point, but I will say that down here they are like they are the hotness. Um if you are if you have like a nicer one, you just go and you get the off highway vehicle pass. It's like fifty bucks for two years. You can drive it on anywhere except for shitty weather conditions and anywhere below sixty miles an hour. And like dudes just run those things around to go and get parts or whatever. You'll just show up at advanced and there'll be a razor sitting there with someone getting parts for something. That'd be me. I was the same way. All our secondary roads are open to them. As long as you're, you know, got working headlights, taillights, all the, the equipment, and then, you know, registered and insured. It's, you can do the same thing. They'll drive them to work. Yeah. They take them to the parts store, out to dinner. <laughs> that um let's get let's bring it back to ua really quick now how the fuck does that work with the tires because i it just why why would any of you motherfuckers put patagonias for christ's sakes on your damn raisin again ua i respect it get that bag dude like go get the money if they're paying you run it i get it like why like what tell me about it just just fill me in on how that all works you know, everybody said all oh, UA sold out with the Patagonia. Patagonia came in last minute, and it was literally, you know, I talked with Christian Hazel about it a little bit, and he said it was at a point where we weren't sure what was going to happen because it takes a fairly decent chunk of money to, you know, you got to pay all the cameramen and and the editing and the, the production side of it. it they got to have the sponsors to make it happen. Patagonia came in last minute. Uh, Martin. God, I don't remember Martin's last name. He's the off-road rep for Patagonia, uh, or Milestar. Uh, you know, he saw the opportunity when they their Falcon wasn't coming back. He, they they jumped in and threw a, uh, not as much as years past has done, but enough to get the event to be able to happen. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of us decided to put them on. Is if they're gonna, they stepped up with to to make sure the event happened, make sure UA happened. Let's give him a chance. Uh, the day at Good Evening Ranch, he was standing there, spotted me through a section, and he's a uh, you know he's not just a a suit and tie guy. He's a guy that grew up in Southern California, playing in the desert, rock crawling. Uh, he had a little YJ buggy that was legit. Uh, all week and all week long, he was put that in places that some of the other guys weren't. Uh, but he was spotting me through and. I got through the, the technical section. I don't remember where it was. It was a good evening, but I don't remember where. And I stopped 
he was right at the past door. And I looked at him. I said, you know, you changed my mind. And, and he says, what do you mean? I said, I figured we were going to be stuck all week. I said, coming in <laughs> Patagonia. I said, they're coming from Iowa, knowing we were going to Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky, that kind of wheeling, mud, rocks, trees, water. I said, I figured we, you know, everybody's going to be stuck with a winch for us all week. I said, and I got to, I got to give them credit. They were the, the, the new tread. And we were on the DOT once. We did not jump quick enough to get tires to get any of the, the black label ones. There was black label ones there. Uh, but they, they worked. You aired them. We aired them down to like 10 PSI with a little bit heavier truck. And, and they worked. And I saw them working on everybody else's. Now, did they work as good as a, you know, a sticky or, or, uh, a Mickey, you know, boss or something like that? I couldn't tell you because we didn't have any of those along. We had one guy on swamp, on super swampers and, um, Steve Watson was on, uh, not Falcons, Yokohama. I don't remember. He's got a deal. He's got a tire deal with somebody, so he's kind of obligated to to run, you know, his K the, the K30 convertible. Probably what I thought was one of the coolest trucks there. He's got a deal with somebody. He's you know got commitments to them, so he ran those tires. Um, everybody else was on the patties. I think we had two failures all week that I know that I heard of. Um, and both were puncture failures. Were, was everybody on DOTs or just certain people got the black labels? Uh, if you got it, if you call them quick enough, you got black labels. Like, I think, I'm pretty sure Fred was on black labels. Uh, Martin, who's the the guy Brandon? from Miles. Brandon was Brandon. On, on black labels. Yeah, he was on. Yeah. I think Brandon was 42s. Yeah, he, was he was churching them up, so he had to have been on black labels. He was definitely he was hyping the boys up about uh, that they were actually decent, which I think he's lying to us. I think he's trying to sell out too, but that's just me. Well, <laughs> well and in the end, if somebody's going to hand you a set of, of tires to throw on and go beat the stunt out for for a week, why not? What you know? What were we out? Uh, I when I got to work, I came into work and Rich said, "Hey, I." I talked to Milestar. Tires will be here, you know, in a couple of days. I said, "We're running Milestar," and he says, "I." He goes, "I think everybody else is." He says, "If we're stuck, everybody else will be stuck with us." <laughs> so I think, I think, just as an outsider looking in at the footage, it seemed like they changed the compound quite a bit on the black labels. Um, um, I. Go ahead. I will still say it like this. Um, change the tread, by the way, Luke, is what he was saying, not the compound. They changed the tread, not the compound? The, so, talking with Martin, and of course it's been a, over a month ago, because I don't remember specifically, but they changed the compound in both the DOT and the black label. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry, Luke. My apologies. The, the compound's different. The tread's pretty much the same. They're, they're I, they say there's a little bit of variation, but I couldn't pick it out. I couldn't point it out to you. Um, I'm my, gonna, you know, go ahead, Luke. I'm <laughs> gonna just put it in the cautiously optimistic at best category. Um, well, you had like the first generation, like DOTs. I, I did DOT worst possible batch you could probably ever buy of those tires. 
I did. I did. And I'm not going to deny that. But, like, I'll put it like this. The amount of damage that was done to my psyche watching Richie and Cody pull away from me on 35s (laughs) was... um, it was an experience that I will never quite get over, and I have spent thousands of dollars on buying new sets of tires and replacing them when they get down to 50% or 75%, if I'm being more realistic at this point. Um, so, like, you'd probably have to put up some good money for me to be willing to run them again. So, we had the 40, 40-inch DOTs. Uh, like Brandon had the 42s. Most of the guys were on 40s, I think. Uh, Taylor, uh, the guy with uh, Taylor Weiss with the little flat fender, sweet little flat fender with a uh, eco tech in it. He was running 37s just because he's on 44s. Uh, and he's like, you know, I'm pushing it with that. But uh, I, I would say cautiously optimistic is the best way to proceed with it. Uh, Martin said, you know, they, he actually, they all have. In amongst the video coverage that's coming out, he talks about it, you know the updates, the changes they did, and he, you know, he's one to say he says the first ones out were not what they should have been. They went back and they changed the higher silica content in it. They changed the the carcass a little bit. You know, my thing was is how come you got to go to a twenty inch wheel to get a forty two? I, I would rather be. I mean, honestly, I'm still on fifteen inch wheels with with thirty nine five. But uh, he said it's they have to design a whole new carcass to go to a smaller diameter rim with a bigger tire because that's a lot of sidewall you start playing with. So I would say, you know, watch the videos when they come out. See how they, you know, see what they do. I watched Chris Durham come up over a, lock, a rock ledge when we were on one of the, the Hatfield-McCoy trails that he literally, his beadlock ring was on the rocks he that far folded over and come up over it and the tire came right back i thought for sure you know his sidewall was splitting out and it just it grabbed everything came up over it and kept driving on it uh we ended up putting probably two thousand miles on those now and have yet to have a, a weird wear pattern to them we beat we threw ceramic bbs in them for balancing i think it was like 16 ounces or 15 ounces in each tire and we drove them from kentucky to pennsylvania the whole ua back to the trailer and we probably put another 100 miles on it since we've been very cautious with it because thursday it's leaving on on a trailer to go to SEMA, so we uh didn't want to risk it getting more beat up than it did yeah that's understandable for sure um, now, so are you guys able to keep the tires as long as you run them for the event? They're ours. So Hell yeah. the whole truck, the whole truck is ours. It's the shops. Um, you know, the week. So I got back on like Monday from UA and then that following weekend was our split off road experience. And I, we had some, some guys coming. Um, actually the, one of the hosts of, uh, over there at that other podcast, he's a huge, uh, he, Patagonia hater. He's he's kind of like Luke. He's been me- mentally scarred, emotionally scarred by him, sure. watching other people pull away. So I was, if it wasn't for the fact that we were taking the truck to SEMA, uh, I was actually going to just take the wheels and tires, bolt them on my scout, and go run them for the weekend just to see what they did on a different rig. 
And I'll probably still do that after we get back. Uh, but is it my, I guess I'll go, I'll go with this. Is it my go-to tire if I was buying tires right now? Probably not. Um, I want to see what they do. I want to see how they hold up. I've got the, you know, the luxury of having a set on a, a shop truck that will, will get out and will, will wheel it for several, several times a year, you know, throughout the, the coming year. And I'll see what they do and then, you know, make a, a better judgment then. But what I saw on UA, I will say I, I'd be cautiously optimistic to give them a try. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, I th did I miss it earlier? How many tires did they give you? Did they only give you four? Five. Okay, Ooh. cool. So at least I gave you a spare. That's fair. Uh, because I was, I was curious about that. Like, how bad would that look on the video of you're like rolling around with one different tire because it popped? I don't know. I just feel like that's also got to be like such a nightmare for them using their own tires for that event, like where people are going to be Martin, putting heart. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Martin was a, uh, was kind of a, how do you want to put it? He was nervous as a whore in church there for most of the week because <laughs> he knew the reputation. He doesn't deny that, you know, they've got a reputation, but that's part of why he pushed, you know, his, you know, the upper, the upper people in, in the company to let's take this chance that either they were going to, you know, they were going to prove that they, that they've got a, a tire that's, you know, worth trying or they were going to crash and burn. And in the end, he, it turned out, you know, that they, I wouldn't say that they're, you know, came out there and they're the best tire in the world because they're not. It just, I would tell somebody if they needed a tire that on a rig where they want to be able to wheel, but they still got to drive it, you know, to work or whatever, it might be a good, a good one for that. If you're, I would not buy them for a dedicated off-road rig, like, you know, guys like Dust Run. Mm -hmm. They're more of a universal tire. I ended up on on a conference call. You know, UA is a lot of hurry up and wait. Uh, you got 28 rigs in a row. You got camera crews. You know, sometimes you got to wait for the camera guys to get back up there to where we're doing. Because they, you know, Trent does a, uh, we'll talk about Trent and, and how he scouts that out in a second. But in the end, Milestar rig is sitting right behind us. And he, Martin comes up to the door with his cell phone. How he had cell coverage, I don't know, but he was on the their weekly planning strategy meeting, something with a bunch of these, you know, engineers and and marketing people. And he goes, "Tell them what you told me." And he turns the camera, the phone around, and all of a sudden I see the screen with you know multiple multiple cameras of people at desks and and conference room tables. I'm like, "Tell them what?" He said, "Tell them what you told me about what you thought of these." So I told him, I said. Came into this event thinking that we were gonna have tire trouble all week. Here, by then we were four days into it. I said, so far they've uh, they've impressed me that they, you know, they are they're actually working in wet rocks and and logs and that that kind of thing. So they uh, they wanted an honest opinion. I gave it to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you even told them how optimistic you were. Where you're like, you know, these I thought these are gonna suck. Those they're probably like, man, all right, guess we gotta do better. The better marketing, which clearly UA did for them and showed that uh, these tires will withstand, especially for quote unquote non DOT tires. I mean, I don't know how much that really is uh, affected by highway use and heat and whatnot. I mean, not for your tire specifically, but for one of the uh, sticky tires. Pardon me. Looking at some of the, 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 
the black lip was at, you could see where they were starting to feather off a little bit from being on the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, it wasn't like they were cupping weird that I could, you know, that I tell them. I didn't, and of course, I didn't ride on any of them, but just looking at them when we're, you know, like the last day when we're sitting in the parking lot and everybody's talking and, and reminiscing about the week and kind of bummed that the week was over. So, but, you know, so, and the last park we went to was Hollerwood. I don't know. Have you guys been to Hollerwood? I have not, but I have a few friends that truly do enjoy Hollerwood. I had heard of it, never been to it. Uh, it's it's another one on the list to go back to. Uh, and I got told what, it wasn't the one to go back to. Yeah, I'm going to go back, but part of it is that I want to go back and try everything we did. But I want to do it with my own rig, you know, rather than the tr- the shop rig. But um, it was it was probably a second. If I was to rank them. Good Evening Ranch was probably top. Hollerwood, if you want to go to one place and be able to just go to a park, Hollerwood's too. Uh, the the Hatfield McCoy trails were awesome. If you wanted to do more of a, you know, start here, kind of drive up and around and come out in another spot, not necessarily come right back to a trailer. Uh, those were cool for that. Rock Run was neat, uh, but it was probably, it was probably a, of the ones that was the one that I, Maybe just because we broke there, I don't know. But I think I think Hollywood and, and Good Evening Ranch were both good parts that I would say go at least try. Give them a shot if you haven't been to them. I'm kind of surprised that if they were down at Hollywood, they didn't end up going back to uh, Harlan. Harlan's like an hour away from. I mean, I guess I well, it's UA. Sorry, never mind. They they want to drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I know. I know Trent, you know, Trent McGee plans it. Um, he's been the guy that plans it for about the last seven years. And that guy does his homework and takes a bunch of squirrels with ADHD and, you know, corrals them down the road and figures out where we're going to go. That. And he, he was, he was telling us that he, we actually ended up doing the route backwards from what he planned us to do. And that was because there was the state horse, the, West Virginia State Horse Show or something at at, ha- at Good Evening Ranch. So the day they, they were coming in the day we left. Okay, so then te- so you guys would have been there while we were there. I think right, right? after. No, b- well because right if well, Hall- we you said Good Evening Ranch was what three days into it or four days? It was your fourth day? No. Two? Uh, no, it, was, it was day. What was it? It was night two. And day three. Okay, so it would have been right on the weekend. Yeah, because remember they said that like when we first were setting up our event, they were like, well, we usually do a really big horse show that weekend. And now all of us are like, fuck, we're about to be just sitting around, which I mean, hey, you know, single dudes, we're like, hey, horse girl sounds like a lot of fun. So we're in. But so, okay, so yeah, so you guys literally would have been pushed all the way to that event. Yeah, we're right in between you guys being there and the horse show. So that's why they had to say, how bad was the state of the park after we left there? Because uh, we're troublemakers. <laughs> There's just dildos was, on the ground. and <laughs> I didn't see anything like that. They must have cleaned up really good. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the purple dildo that Brandon acquired on his Cherokee? Did you I get to witness not. that? Oh, so some of our buddies that came to the event, uh, 
brought dildo or like one of their friends dropped them off whatever they stuck them all to the windshield i guess at some point they must have dropped one and then brandon found it was like hey boys any of you lose something last night or something? <laughs> so funny uh gotta love it yeah that showed up in one of the group chats that i'm in and i was just fucking dying over there because like runs prime fucking shit up like always <laughs> brandon's uh co-driver was quite the entertainment the last night i will say that so he was a good time. Who did he co-drive with, or who was with him? Oh, I don't remember. Terrible with memes. Um, he's from Alabama. Ooh, maybe it's his cousin. You know, coming from Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> get I it, get it. I remember. I know. I've seen the guy's face, and I think I've heard the name, but I don't. I can't. I can't piece it together. I don't know who he is. Luke would probably have the shot. Yeah, boss, you're SOL on that. <laughs> Dude. Well, alrighty. Let's. I mean, is there anything else from UA that you think we didn't get to touch up on yet? Because we still got to talk about your rig, and we're already an hour and twenty odd minutes in. <laughs> we, uh, I think that pretty much covers the highlights of UA. Uh, I do know, you know, the the, cover, the stuff starting to come out a little bit here and there. Um, I if I know all the sponsors will have videos at SEMA of the, you know kind of highlight. That's been one of the big things the last couple of years that. For UA was the sponsors getting you know enough uh, screen time, I guess you'd say, to, for what the, you know they the, they put in a pretty good investment, uh, and then the actual UA coverage will come out on the week bef- the five days before Thanksgiving, that full week before Thanksgiving. Uh, YouTube Motorfans YouTube channel will have a, a, an episode each day comes out, so those come out. And they'll see a lot more of it. Uh, just today, Motor Trend, you know, like I said earlier, that's got uh, us, some footage of us and our rig, talking about our rig at, right there at the tail end of it. Uh, and then if you guys watch Dirthead Shed with, you know, with Dave, another really cool dude to hang out with. And and we've done some stuff with collaborating with Fred and Dave before with the shop. Uh, if you guys, you know, when they did Dirt Every Day uh, with the Scout House episode with the Scout with the camper in it. Uh, that was all that they built it down to names, but all the off-roading was done at Rich's place. Uh, his his most recent episode he dropped was of Rock Run, the first day at Rock Run, and I did not know he had the camera on me when I was uh, using a three-pound Milwaukee hammer to try to bend my our track bar back straight. So, <laughs> or, uh, I uh, I'll famously be known for the guy beating the tar out of a piece of metal on a rock, I guess, but. <laughs> So, so the coverage is coming out. It's you know it's kind of surreal to see it and kind of relive it. I'm definitely trying to make plans of how do I go back? <laughs> I want to do it again. <laughs> it's a, it's a high stress, but the the fun and camaraderie that comes out of it is is way outweighs all the you know the stress and time ahead of it trying to do anything. But I believe it. Um, I'm sure that'd be a hell of a lot of fun for sure. That's any good wheeling trip. The the stress building up to it, and then just the the absolute blast of the actual experience. I think that's just you, Graham. I think you're the only one that enjoys the stress. I don't know many people that are like, "Oh, dude, I love the well, stress." Well, it makes it it's worth crazy. it, right? You do all this work to do something, and you know you got this deadline, and it's there, and you got to get your stuff ready, and uh, and then then that deadline appears, and whether you're ready or not, you're 
you have the commitment made, you're gonna go. I don't know. It's there's just something about it. And then to have it work after all the work you put into it, that feels good. That's yeah. okay. you wouldn't understand, Cody. You don't work on your shit. Shut up. I was just gonna agree with you. <laughs> hey, hey Damn. you can't leave fucking Kish out of this either. Kish is over here not fucking wheeling in almost the same amount of fucking time as Cody. Cody's just gets more shit because he's fucking more vocal. Yeah, yeah. He's, and I'm around him more. He he comes and sits at the shop. So Well, I think it's it's gotten worse ever since I admitted that I have ninety-nine percent of the parts to fix my shit. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody's just like sitting what in my the living fuck room. are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot to grab Richie's that shit. shit just needs some fucking floor pans done. And some fucking up. engine cleaning. Or, up. or wiring cleaning up. Yeah. Like a lot of wires. Okay, cool. Whatever. Figure it out, Richie. You've got fucking uh, Cody and Graham a resident, there. We have a resident um, wiring monkey wiring. in training. Yeah, uh, he's, he's good. good. He's 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 pretty good. He loves to. He just he inhales the solder smoke and it just gets him going. He starts just wiring everything. It's awesome. Who, who's the wire monkey? RJ. RJ. <laughs> oh shit. He helped me rewire all my um all my little gadgets on my stuff trust me I, I got a few jobs i could use rj for then oh yeah mm. he'd definitely be interested a good wiring guy is worth their weight in gold yep oh, yeah. it is and i am definitely not that guy we're still working on getting him to uh to you know, plan TK? out the wiring plan out the wiring i were a couple spots where i was like <laughs> no. oh this needs to go that way and you you just bundled them all that way and they need to you need to flip them around so there was some uh, time-intensive solder joints cut, but uh, for the most part, I mean, just having having somebody who's who's you know got all the all the wiring tools to do all that stuff is is worth its weight. Find yourself. I got a guy like that. <laughs> Everybody needs a wiring monkey. Luckily, mine works for beer, so yeah, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, our guy doesn't drink, so like we we can't even convince him to get drunk, and then we like offer Is him cheap old things. To? He looks no, like that's a baby. Who's when was that, dude? I was hammered at like sixteen, Richie, and so were you. So like, why are you questioning uh, RJ? <laughs> <laughs> Richie was hammered in my house at fucking sixteen. Exactly. Not. <laughs> Don't lie. Um, underage underage drinking is illegal. Exactly. Yes. I, I just like drinking in the woods as an angel. Anyways, where were we? <laughs> Sorry, we're terrible. I yeah, apologize. You're fine. Um, anyways, back to it. Uh, yeah, so Good Evening Ranch has got to be one of my favorite parks. Yeah, we don't point. give a shit about that, Luke. Let's talk about his rig. All right, we already talked about good evening enough. Sorry, I'm sorry. That was harsh. I didn't mean that. Let's move on to his right. rig, his personal yeah. rig. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's get that. And I also want to understand how you know that weird bastard, Dave. So, well, so Dave, actually, the motor in uh, the Chevelle, but a bunch of the parts in this one in my scouter from Dave, he, uh, Two years ago, about almost exactly two years and two weeks ago, about uh, my shop burned down, and so version two is what I'm sitting in right now. And it burned down in October. Uh, the only thing stable from it was the concrete, and I got some people that came over. 
said no my dad's close friends with momish that built my first shop they showed up got the shell of the second one up it was probably the coldest day in february of 2021 dave and a bunch of the other guys from you know that other podcast showed up with a tub a scout tub a frame all kinds of parts two engines i i can't uh rat flow coil over the bunch of stuff that they had all chipped in talked to people talked to industry people to get get my uh rig back on track because i was building a scout and i lost it i lost seven snowmobiles the skid loader uh of course all my tools welders you know all that equipment uh my son's 74 roadrunner my daughter's 77 step side chevy they all you know were charred mess the scout was sitting in the the main bay and one of my buddies said what are you gonna do with that i said i don't know yet i just can't you know bring myself to scrap it yet he said it'd be kind of cool if you rebuilt it and i kind of took that as a challenge so i was you know talking about rebuilding like what i didn't know is that my wife and all these guys were talking in a in a little chat group planning this so they showed up with all these parts to kick off getting the, uh, the scout rebuilt and i got it done at 2 a.m the night before our first complete off-road experience um and that is hugely to guys like dave uh, some of the other guys dustin speakman uh, uh steve summers ian boyce all those guys arranging brandon ensing a uh, guy out in colorado he found a tub and one of the other guys ran out brought it back so they just literally i had like five pickups show up in my driveway with parts wow and we started so, putting together that is an awesome story but it brings up a question are you like somehow related to graham like because that 2 a.m pulling it together to show up at the event through like absolutely stupid odds you know i feel like that's got to be a genetic trait at this point well real quick if i also drop out i will try to reconnect to my my ear pods are starting to say battery low but we'll keep going until they, they totally die out they'll last a little while yet mm. but I, uh, I don't i sorry you're good okay so so yeah so those guys show up then i got uh some really they dropped off all these parts uh and then i drug my feet kind of working around but in the end it got built i got some really close friends that that helped put it together um, so it's a, a JK two door JK frame LS drivetrain, uh, 4L60E transmission, 241 manual shift truck transfer case. That uh, that's the next thing on the board to get updated, I think. But uh, barns three links front with uh, Summit machine joints and aluminum arms. I've heard the those Summit at, machine joints are awesome. They are the baddest ass joint they'll ever get they're rebuildable um i'll pick them over anybody else's joint every day they're they're about i think there was you know they're they're a little they're on the higher end of the price but you're gonna i you can beat the tar out and they're gonna come back some more there's a reason you know the ultra four guys are using them at king of the hammers a place like that and the the aluminum links are awesome solid aluminum machine links up front I, I actually want to get some for the rear, for the four-link rear. Right now, it's actually uh, 
the the original links for the out of the front of the scout are reused in the back. So uh, we so we started with a new tub, threw it on the on the JK chassis. I designed the rear suspension. I used the Barnes three link for the front just for simplicity. Rad flows all the way around. Uh, DNC customs cage went in just because we were getting down to crunch time. I didn't have time to, to fab up a, a cage. So I just started with their cage and then I added in bars afterwards. Uh, but if you go just, I don't know if you guys know 8-Lug Productions. You guys know Jeremy and all. He's done the, the videos for the last two years of tour. If you look him up on YouTube, you'll see the, the first version of the Scout with a bare bones cage in it. And then this year it's got the full cage. Um, the axles are actually out of the, the original build. Uh, they were actually from my, I had a CJ, or it's a YJ with a CJ front clip, uh, stock four liter drivetrain with 60, uh, Kingpin 60 and 14 volt. I sold the Jeep, everything but axles to start fun building the Scout. Went through the fire. I actually pulled the axles out from under the, the, the Scout that was in the fire. Stripped them completely down, you know, ran the, everything was, was uh, straight. So we rebuilt them, um, spooled rear and, uh, a Yukon zip locker in the front, chromolies up front. Uh, and then the rest is just all custom fabbed by me. And then we hung the, the original sheet metal that went through the fire. We hung on the, on the body, on the tub mm-hmm. and, one of the, one of my buddies is, you know, I got four buddies that are really close. They were over here, you know, night after night. One of them's my wiring guy, uh, Jason. He, you know, he can wire. And he's a, he's actually an industrial arts teacher for the school here in town, teaching autos. And you just turn him, you set a case of beer to the side and let him start wiring. The more he drinks, the better he wires. <laughs> and he wired all that truck, and he did our UA truck. So he wired the UA truck. To start. We didn't let him have beer because he was on shop time. He actually got paid for that job. He, uh, he might have had a stuck or- a one here. <laughs> Money or beer. Right. One or the other. So, Same difference. Uh, and then, you know, the other guys, you know, they've all got their own talents of one thing or another. And sometimes it's just a guy that can hand you a wrench so you don't have to climb down off the you know, the ladder up, up from underneath to grab something. Um, and we did, we, we finished it at two in the morning, but one of those last nights we were working on it. Um, they, they about mutinied once because I, I was looking at it. And I just didn't like the way the body sat on the frame. So, uh, one of them stopped by and I had cut the whole floor two weeks before the event. I had cut the whole floor out of the truck and lowered the body down about four inches. And, hmm. uh, they, of course, we've got a text group. I see it pop up in text. One of them says, uh, Chris just got the whole floor out of the truck. And I said, yeah, I need it four inches lower. And one of the other guys is like, have you looked at a calendar? He <laughs> <laughs> just about didn't show how we finish it. But they're, they're good friends. They, they came back over and we finished it. But what, one of the nights we were hanging sheet metal, one of them said something about, geez, you know, working with this hanging the fenders, I'm going to get tetanus. Or, you know, it's everybody up to date on their shots from that. So, and the name stuck. So it's, it's been tetanus, the heat treated scout ever since. <laughs> and we started, uh, you know, just calling it that and it kind of stuck. And we've used the, you know, the hashtag here and there. I talked with Yukon and Yukon, uh, you know, jumped on board with the, the rebuild and actually made me, uh, stickers that look like they've been burnt that are Yukon logos cool. from the truck. And it huh. says, you know, 
heat treated by by UConn on it, and, <laughs> and it's been you know cool to have the truck and people see it, and it's starting to get its own notoriety. Uh, and then here, back in April, after some some other life events, um, unfortunately, I lost my son. The thing. Sorry to, to hear that. Thank you. Uh, but one of the things to you know take a tragedy tragedy and make something better out of it is you know getting that awareness out there of talking to people that we started a podcast and we we call it the heat treated garage and the truck is what brought us all together because you know we're we're t- cracking jokes and telling stories while we're building this truck and you know there'd be other people that come in and out and they're all like you guys should record this stuff you need to you know tell tell these stories <laughs> and one day my I got home from work and the, my wife there's a big box from Amazon sitting on the front steps and I said what's that she said it's for you and I opened up and it's you know podcast equipment she said, I said what's this for she says start start the podcast you know spread you know start sharing your guys' stories and and use it to to tell your story and you know talk hold to on a second through. your so, wife put your friends together to get your rig done or get it going or the process of it and then she also hold on this lady sounds absolutely amazing we should have her on here too where's she at Holy well, shit! I on my podcast. You try to get her on yours. Oh my <laughs> gosh, she sounds amazing. Damn, that's awesome. Um, Good for you, brother. Also, is, I suppose this is, is probably worth asking. Um, where can we find it? Like Spotify, Apple, Google, all the all your normal streaming platforms. Um, Spotify and Apple are probably the easiest. Find. It's just it's heat treated garage. Um, and it's just four or five of us, you know, sitting around a table here in the shop. Um, you can see I've come up on a, I'm actually sitting in our studio right now with the, the camera facing out to the shop. Um, but yeah, we just, every Sunday night we get together and we, we cover the gamut, you know, of course, off-road's a big, um, big part of what I do. Um, so we talk about off-road, we talk about, uh, our buddy Court decided to you know build a house and he was going to pay to have somebody frame it and we've all got construction backgrounds um throughout the years so we said no let's uh let's build it ourselves so we started in june and they moved in last weekend it's not completely done but we built a house you know a fairly large house it's got you know i, I forget how many it's you know 2500 square foot something like that um that you know we did all the the framing of that we talked about that on there um you know, probably one of our most famous episodes is I wasn't there. I actually went, took the scout, went wheeling for a weekend. And I knew they were working on the house doing framing. And I, and all of a sudden, I, there's some messages bouncing back and forth from the group. And I said, what happened? I said, well, we'll tell you tonight. We'll tell you tonight. I said, who's in the hospital? And they, they just responded back, no one now. Oh, and no. so episode, episode six, if you're going to just grab one episode, episode six, one's the grab. Uh, my buddy guy or my wiring guy, he got a uh, nail gun. Uh, bounced off the nail, nut bounced out and uh, hit him in the sack. Ooh, so, ooh, jeez. Oh, uh, <laughs> um. he, got, he got he got he had he couldn't move. He had to pull it out because it was sack into his leg. And, oh uh, my god, that's it, terrible. An hour and a half later, he was back on the job site working. <laughs> Fucking mad lad. What a dog. Atta boy. Holy yeah. shit. But we 
we cover the gamut of everything in life. And, you know, I said when I, I said, if I'm doing a podcast, I'm not going to not going to pigeonhole us into one thing. I'm not going to be just about off road or just about snowmobiling or or, you know, talking about your feelings that I said, we're going to cover everything. And we do. There's the whole yeah, gamut of it. That's been one of the weirdest things that's happened to us is it was originally like, yeah, it's going to be off-road, it's going to be all tech, it's going to be this, and then it was like, okay, cool, now we're going to start doing some interviews, and now it's like, so uh, what's your life story? How did you get into this maniac hobby? Well, I Do you think... have any raccoon facts? <laughs> <laughs> I we haven't done a raccoon mean... fact in a minute. So yeah, so Chris, if you got one, towards the end, I'm going to hit you with it. We'll I'll see. I don't, oh. it. I, I, don't I, worry. I, I'll try and come in the swaying. Any, any weird animal fact. It doesn't have to be raccoon. Oh. <laughs> but I'll I think we sit on that one. But yeah. I think we've more just recognized the fact that like podcasts work as long as it's something that you are happy to talk about. And if something just flows well and the boys or girls, if you have girls on, uh bounce it back well, no matter what it's about. If people are already listening to you because they like what how you tell a story or how you talk or how you like word certain things, they're gonna listen no matter what the fuck you say. So it's something that's definitely been fun for us to realize. Have you guys hit the weird part where somebody like comes up and wants to talk to you and they like know way more about you than you do about them? Yes. Ah. Not me, but Cody and Luke have both experienced that, I believe. <laughs> I, yeah, one time, and I, I, I kind of felt bad because I didn't know. Like, the guy came up talking to me as if he knew me. Like, in, a great dude, first of all. Great guy. He definitely knows who I'm talking. Like, well, they've the got, like, 300 hours of uh, you know, potential <laughs> listening time on you. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's fucking weird. Um, but... We were fixing one of our friend's rigs in the parking lot at Good Evening Ranch, and this gentleman rolls up, and he's just, like, super happy to say hi, this and that, and he was talking with us, and, like, he mentioned a few, like, inside jokes that are definitely on the podcast. Again, uh, it's, we don't have to get into them, waiting on Luke to make a joke. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, I turned around to Graham, and I'm like, hey, bud, do we know him? I'm like, I do not, like, I'm great. Usually, I'm pretty great with knowing people. I couldn't tell this dude whatsoever. And then later on to find out uh, that he's one of our listeners, that he's been listening for a long time. So I'm just like, oh, well, I'm happy he said something. But I'm just like, fuck, I wish, I feel bad. I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> so for me, one of the weirdest ones, um, it was, we were at S'more, and uh, Billy, who's been on the podcast, starts or I go over there and I'm talking with him and he just casually mentions something that was like way the fuck back in the podcast and like way the fuck back in my life and I'm like oh fuck that's weird <laughs> kind of cool and I'm good fucking friends with the kid now but it was just one of those weird rocky introduction things where I was like taken aback for a few moments um just you gotta check yourself and kind of realize, oh, they know more about me than you know I know about them, and <laughs> yeah. kind of try to roll with it. <laughs> and I get people calling me at the shop now, you know, and either they've they've heard me on my podcast or over with the TOP guys, um, you know, and they'll they'll call and start talking away. And it's I hung up the phone the other day. I looked at the boss. And said, I'm getting way too good at at being able to roll along with this and know how people, you know talk with people that i don't even really know so it's it's cool though and like 
you end up meeting interesting people like um, I'm sure you've heard of Nick Jonard from where you're at or uh, Frankie uh, with the big blue K5. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, it, it's weird because like there would under a normal set of circumstances, those people would never be like someone that you talk to regularly. And now like we just call each other randomly. Uh, fucking Dave's another one. He was, he's a funny fucking guy. I keep bringing him up because, uh, well, foreshadowing and whatnot, but um, just got a random text from the guy like through Facebook about Ford five liter stuff. And now we're constantly talking to each other. And it started over a set of GT 40 P heads. Yeah, Dave, I, I talk to Dave, you know, almost every day. Um, you know, there, I got a, a group message group with, with Dave, um, another buddy, Dustin, that's down in Southern Illinois. There's central to Southern Illinois. And then, um, you know, Rick from Crawler Off Road, um, you know, talk with those guys every day. And two years ago, I didn't even know them. By the way. If you talk to the guys from the other podcast regularly, we're still willing to talk with them. We were supposed to do that forever ago, and it never ended up materializing. Well, forget them. We'll we'll do something with you guys. Come over and be on the heat treated sometimes. So hell yeah, oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I, uh, I you know Discord. You guys are the second. I've been on. They started using Discord. I. Just use, you know, we've got a, a soundboard of that because most of the time we're in studio, but I'll have to, I might be calling, calling you guys about, hey, how do we make Discord work here? And we'll, we'll do a heat treated crossover sometime. I'd love to do that. So that would be awesome. You know, we've had, Dave's been on a couple times with over on Heat Treated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's been over and actually been in studio and I've had him on the phone and that guy's got all kinds of stories, you know, from. <laughs> wheeling to time time in the military and he's uh he's just a fun dude to hang out with that would be a really unique experience especially for us because we we generally do focus mostly with off-roading stuff so it would be very fun to do like something where you're more just like talking about like you know, it's, it's a man's man's podcast you know so like who are you yeah like i think that would be a really interesting experience where you really just dive in deep on just like all things like that's fucking cool i like that that's cool yeah and like it would be really kind of fun to expand on the stuff that we do on the side that's not this like because we are more than off-roading richie can't go on because then he'll just talk about banging dudes on the side so like (laughs) he won't be allowed (laughs) hey at least it's a woman brother (laughs) uh fuck man uh so Bringing it back to wheeling, though, I suppose, um, with all the JK stuff that you have floating around, is that just due to the fact that you're able to get the parts? Because, like, I keep sitting there going, yeah, that all kind of makes sense. I absolutely hate the fact that the Scout is on a JK frame, but a JK frame is, like, perfect for it, and, like, everything kind of goes there. The JK frame, you know, is a it's a box frame. It's got the aftermarket support just because everybody and their brother has a JK anymore. Um, 
you know, the original scout I built was on the scout frame and it was, uh, uh, my preferred setup is Lee Springs rear three length front. Um, I just, I've always, I've built, I don't know, five, six rigs that way. And I just prefer it. Uh, but when you get, you know, rad flows thrown in your lap and, and summit joints that you're like, okay, well, let's, let's try something new. So I went to the four link rear. What was, okay. So I'm one of the biggest four link stands out there. Um, and I apologize for this being a winded rant, but yes, you are absolutely correct. The three link front with leaf springs in the rear is one of the best combinations out there. I'm currently talking a good friend of mine, Logan, who was at Good Evening Ranch with us into doing that. And we, uh, we're building it right now. And I'm super excited for him because I know that's going to go and work. But what was your thoughts on going from the leaf springs in the rear to the four link? Honestly, it was, all right, these guys stepped up and, you know, Phil Accardi sends me four coilers that. It's like, you know, Juline from Summit Machine, she's like, hey, how many links do you, you know, how many link bars do you need? How many joints do you need? It's like, if I'm going to do it, now's the time to do it. And we, I, you know, I kind of made the jump. It was more of a, you know, there was a couple nights talking with Dave. I'm like, and Dave's like, dude, we gave you the parts. Do whatever the fuck you want with them. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of feel like I should use them. Having it on, you know, having it linked now, it works awesome. Uh, I, I still got to play with the the geometry a little bit. You know, my, you know, if you run it through the calculator, which I'm a fan of, make it work. You can, you know, you can run it through the calculator all you want, but until you've actually got to put it on the frame and make it fit, you're not going to be able to put it where the calculator says to put it. Um, but I'm right at that hundred, you know, that hundred mark. Yep. So it does. It does seem to unload a little bit on big climbs, uh, so I gotta. I'm gonna play with that. Um, the rear know, unloads on you. It, it seems it wants to kind of walk under a little bit. The front unloads, and you know that's simple. Just put a suck down winch on it when you're gonna be on a big hill. But um, weird. Sorry, I, I'm not trying no, to. No, it, it's just, just. I'm trying to figure it out too because it just. If if you guys go watch the any of the the core footage from this year, you'll see I st- I I had her standing on her tail. Um, you know the guy before me was on forty inch uh, Baja Pro, you know uh, you know the big tractor tires, and yep. I came up, I followed, tried following him up. He didn't make it. He backed down. I but he had just dug two huge holes, and I came up and I'm on thirty nine five Swampers, rocks of all things. And uh, I just that the back end, you know, the back tires hit the front end, hit them, you know, and of course, bounces you up, and the back one's sucked in that hole. I, I stood it straight on its end, and uh, ever so gently, you know, kind of reached up and <laughs> hit it to reverse and was able to back out of it. I didn't end it, luckily, but uh, okay. the biggest. So this is going to be a stupid and a weird question because you're entering into where I love to function. I'm the autistic one here. So uh, are your upper links running on a upward arc to the top of the axle by any chance? An upward arc? Yeah. So like, for example, where they are coming off of the frame, is the mount on the axle higher or is it lower? It's actually about flat. Okay, um, but, that, but my rear upper links are about an inch and a half longer than my lowers, just right now and because just the way it, that 
shouldn't that, matter that much. It shouldn't, but I, and I gotta play with it. And yeah, so I saw Father Dave the other day, and he's like, "Dude, it's fine. You you dropped your act, you know." And so this one climb has been bugging me, and he's like, "You your tires fell into two huge holes, uh, you know. Plus, you know, you bounced the front end through it. So he said, you 'You're worried about nothing. Leave it. Leave it be. You're fine.'" But my so, bigger the big I got now is I got I got to do hydraulic steering. I'm still on the yeah. JK box. I I completely understand that. Um, but to tweak your little issue that you've got going on, consider moving your axle side separation up if you can. Um, I'm sitting right in that hundred range myself, and I don't run into the unloading, but I have twelve inches of separation at the axle. So the amount of separation. Sorry, go ahead. I think I'm at like ten. So yeah, I was gonna say, and my fronts are right around hundred, and I don't really have separation issues either. And I only have what, maybe eight? you have eight five. I was gonna say maybe eight. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Sh- <sighs> well, tire size comes into this. So yes, this is right. where I it forgot gets about that part. Fuck weird. Um. <laughs> so. With the 12 inches of separation, you cross that mythical um, 25% margin, which is a really weird number because of how often it comes up in four links. Um, If you follow the 25% rule for your uppers and your lower lengths, you're generally going to be okay. So like if you run a 30 inch long lower, you can run a 40 inch long upper because you're at 75% link length. Um, and then you want to be at 25% of more than 25% of your tire size in separation, because that right there will help to determine some of its weird behaviors under squat and anti-squat. Sorry for the weird little rant there, but no, that's good. That's good info. And you know, I've built a bunch of three links, but I've never, this is like the second four link I've ever done. So that's not three links. Relinks are fucking wild. I've been getting really into some of the numbers on that. Changing your track bar location changes everything. And it can be like six inches of movement on the track bar. And suddenly it's totally different. Ask me how I know. Because my shit don't go down the road no more after doing an OTA. And I'm still trying to figure that shit out. (laughs) What do you mean by it acts so different? With it moved side to side, how does that affect it? Because it's like it's like changing a fourth link on a four link. If it's not yeah. playing in the right, it's you're, it's the same idea. It's still affecting the axle based off of placement. If it's not playing along with all the other links, then it's going to act weird, as if you did something entirely wrong. Yes. So going back to that weird twenty five percent rule your track bar ends up actually functioning as a link bar. And if it falls outside of that 25% rule, so say, for example, you're running a 21-inch long track bar, but you're running 38-inch long lowers, you are outside of that rule now. And as a result of that, it's going to do weird shit to your anti-squat and through travel. I don't know. It, I just make it as long as possible and as flat as possible, as as much yes. as my tire rod or drag link, sorry, can dictate it. Yes, I'm Never sorry. Never had any problems doing out, that. But. 
Um, One of those shorties. We don't want a, a foot long track bar. That just doesn't sound good. Uh, Although it would probably yeah. work on a four or a, a on a full hydro rig. It'd be good. In the end, it all comes down to packaging. Yep. Yeah, it does. And it's really funny how that all plays out. Like, if you're working... Actually, here's one. So with it being all JK stuff on a scout body, that actually probably helps you with all of this stuff because the frame's wider, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. The frame's a little okay. bit wider. I mean, basically, I took the tub and I had to make all... You know, it's... The tub sits there and it's got custom body mounts, and then you know the cage is all tied into the frame. And um, I just added, actually, I just added some uh, rock rails finally because I was tired of you know banging the body into everything, like come around stuff. That I put some rock rails in it, and you know the rock rails out, oh probably six seven inches from the the door jam to the outer edge of the rail. Uh, and I had it out this week, and it was actually kind of nice because I. Especially the passenger, if I don't have somebody ride with me, if I know that I get that front tire faster, the rest of it's coming faster because it's going to hit the rock rail and then right to the rear tire and then on it. Um, it worked out pretty good. And uh, I ended up just pushing some trees out of the way rather than it pushing the body. Hell yeah. Gotta love it. Now, no. oh shit, we are coming up on the two and a half, aren't we? Get some wheels. Um, uh, all righty, all righty. Well, since we're kind of slowing things down a little bit, um, before we start wrapping up fully, got any questions for us or any comments or anything like that? Um, I don't know, man. I, I you know, it's kind of one of those deals where I've listened to enough episodes, I kind of know your guys' background, mm-hmm. but um, I definitely want to try to figure out some time to, to wheel with you guys, whether it's you know, web wheelers next year or something before. Uh, I know you guys are further east, but there's a there's a few spots in between there we can figure something out. Yeah, I know um, that I know that there's a potential Harlan, Kentucky run coming up early next year. I know that we have AOP somewhere around April fifteenth. Um and then and then July we usually have a trip planned, but this year we don't really know where we're gonna end up with that. Do you know anything about that, Graham? Have we even talked about that? No, we haven't figured out what we're doing as far as uh, that summer trip. So our, our, our usual spot got closed down. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know that that might be a more local one though. I don't know if that'd be a that probably. No, I was saying. A... I was saying more that we have availability, not necessarily for inviting him out. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, I just I imagine we'll put something in that place that would be more local. I'm not sure because mm-hmm. that's one that most people around here that we go with are usually planning on so even though that property is no longer a thing we'll we'll figure something out i i would hope if not then yeah we're hoping that weekend so yeah the or best month west i can find stuff over here it's hey. hot in the out west in july i don't want to go out there <laughs> it's already hot yeah, enough here <laughs> so i'm like that's cold I'm with you on that, Graham. <laughs> the best bet, though, definitely just like if something's coming up, like especially if you guys are doing one of like your event, like that definitely entices us more because it's like we we can plan like a full weekend where it's like one day of wheeling. It's de- it's tough for us to like just say fuck it. We're going twenty. We're twenty six hours out. We're running it. Which 
knowing Graham, like it, that happens. I mean, he, me and him could probably plan on a Friday to just drive 30 hours and we'll figure it out by the time we get there. Um, so yeah, just, you know, keep us, keep us in mind, invite us out and we'll, we'll see what we can make happen for sure. How, how far are you guys from Indiana? From where? Attica, Indiana, Badlands. I'll look it up right now. I am eight and a half hours. We're probably about 20 hours at minimum, if I had to guess. Yeah. I, you probably are. Uh, but if we go out that way, we have a group of six friends that are all within a few hours of that place. So t- if we go and we don't invite them, they'll murder us. And then you'll have to deal with a murder scene. So there, there may be a few tag-alongs. But I just know that's, you know, I, I'm trying to think of what's, you know, because it's about, it's probably eight, nine for me out to the to Attica. So, um, uh, do you look this up, Cody? So it's it's only saying thirteen hours. There's no fucking way that's correct. Badlands Off Road Park in, as you said, Badlands or what did you say? Badlands, yeah, in Attica, Indiana. It says you Fountain said County. Right. Is that not correct? Hours. That's not awful. That's not bad at all, dude. That's like that's a writ. That, we can make that happen all any time. That's easy. That, that's actually a lot closer than I thought. Me that too. That seems I was, wrong, though. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't Maybe. seem like. Hmm. Well, if we cut across New York, though, think about that way. If we cut across oh, uh, New York and drop around, we probably save a see. metric fuck ton of time instead of dropping down all the way through PA, going to West Virginia. Yeah. So that ain't oh bad. yeah, see the route it's saying is fastest is up through, yeah, yeah up along the coast of yeah. the lakes and whatnot. Um, Fuck hmm. it, I'm in. Sign me up. Let's go. Let's go. Do Why something. did it take me that way on my way back from S'more? Because you were probably further down. Oh no, because Missouri. No, no, <laughs> I wasn't. I know. I know. I'm probably going to S'more. Something. The club's going to go to S'more. I think next summer. So S'more is another good one. S'more is oh. a fun time. It's that's a haul though. That's twenty four hours for that's me. <laughs> yeah, S'more. The evening's like twelve or thirteen for me. Um, so just some food for thought for you guys too. But Trail Trash is hosting the meet and be at AOP in Tennessee, and we're all planning on being there for that entire weekend. Okay. Um, that's gonna be. They haven't posted dates yet, but it's usually around April 15th. Yeah, that's going to be, um, I think, right around 12 hours from you guys. That's not bad but for them. It's, for us. It looks it's about worth a, it. little, a little bit shorter. No, probably about the same. I mean... Rip. Join the 18-hour club. Go for the drive. It'll be a good time. It's a good park. A lot of fun people. Uh, that is definitely a uh, a party park, though. If you catch my drift, so yeah, maybe big past ten o'clock. Awesome. Be weary. The it's, trails are cool. It's well worth it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll keep that idea open. One yeah. of the best things I can recommend there is Friday night and Saturday night. What you do is you hop in the rig and you go cruise the greens and you find the LS sounds, and then you just go track that down and watch the shit show that goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, good don't, suggestion. Don't for break sure. your rig on Friday night. It's uh, it's not fun. <laughs> you spend all <laughs> Saturday fixing it, <laughs> then you've only got one day to wheel. 
Uh, We've all been there before. Yeah, yeah, many times, many times. What else you guys got for me? Mm. All right, so here's one for you. What was one of the biggest pains that you ran into with growing your podcast? Greatest pains of growing our podcast. Well, we're only 31 episodes in, so um, I don't know. You know, I, I guess I went into it. I said, I don't care if five people listen or not. It's, we started doing it more. It was just we all got around a table. We shut our phones off, and we just bullshitted. We just talked about, you know, life or whatever's going on. Um, some of it right now is just trying to find topics, you know, to stay diversified and not just be us bullshitting. But it seems like the just bullshitting, telling jokes and, you know, talking about the dumb movie you watched last night because you couldn't sleep and you were flipping through the, you know, streaming services. Uh, <laughs> tend to some of our, our better podcasts or, you know, more listened to podcasts. Mm. Um, I've got, we've got the distinct advantage, uh, you know, going back to, you know, my wife has a social media business of, you know, doing social media for other companies. Um, so if you see all the posts that, that are put up and that she's the, she's the person that keeps us on track and keeps all the stuff getting posted on Instagram, on Facebook. Does the you know the cool graphic design on the post so it looks cool and it's just not my dumb picture in the shop of something I was working on. So I you know that's helped a lot that we haven't had a lot of growing pains yet. But like I said, we're only thirty one episodes in on on the regular, and then of course you know you got to do Patreon to try to to fund it somehow. Um, you know we're like nineteen eighteen episodes in on Patreon, but we've just hit the point where the Patreon's covering the Patreon and, and our you know, we got three sponsors that they're that covering money off of it. Well, we're we don't just even. do this for free. We do this from the bottom of our hearts. We don't make it <laughs> that's where we were at. That's that's all we ever wanted to do. Um, you know, my the three sponsors we got, they came to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Rick with Trawler Off Road, he he says, dude, we're friends and and I get a, at least an hour, every hour to two hours every week of laughing my ass off listening to you guys. You know, let me let me help support it. Um, the Weiss business is another one of our, our you know, supporters. She she is our funding stream for everything. She bought everything. So uh, we're just trying to make money and start paying her back. Uh, and then like we got a, a local guy that does you know engraving and that that he's been cool and sent us some stuff that we can you know give away to to listeners and. And do that, you know. But the the having topics has been a big thing. Um, yeah, I, we've had a few guests on, and I I want to start doing that more. You know, like we said, get you know get you guys on. Get so I got some buddies that are in the you know the automotive industry on the hot rod side that do phenomenal paint jobs and you know how they built their business and you know the the struggles they've had. You know, if you take it, you know, it's that helping each other out networking you learn stuff to to make it you know it's a famous saying i always like to say is you know a high tide raises all ships so oh yeah um some of my favorite episodes that we've sat down and recorded like uh suppose shout out to these people but um sam from flying iron performance talking about building j truck ls conversion kits that shit was cool as fuck to me um 
Ricky Barrett from Barrett Fabrication and Adam Ladick from Lydic. Lydic from Built for the East are awesome because those people have something that they can bring to the table that is outside of your normal wheelhouse. Oh, um, another one would be like uh, River City Rally. We talked to them and we don't we're not into rally racing, but it was just so cool because it was going down a different avenue from what we normally do i think adam would be a really fun one for him adam is such a lively person that and he's in like he's into off-roading he has his own shop but that dude can just like he's such a good talker seriously like i don't know it just popped in my head that like he would definitely have a lot of fun on like their style podcast for sure um but hell yeah, man. I mean, it's it's rough. You're definitely like I remember when we were in our 30s. Like I, I don't even tell say, people. It's when... probably about the same. We were probably at about the same point where we'd been talking, and we were like, "Well, you know what? I feel like we. You feel like you've talked about everything you could have possibly talked about. Yes. And yes. I think about that time was when we, or maybe a little earlier, or a little later. We started getting, you know, having other people on to talk with them and just chew their ear off and hear what they had to say. And, uh, you know, then it, the, you know, we still do the ones where it's just the four of us here Those and there. Those are still some of my favorite to do. Oh, yeah, because they're just now they're just we, stress. And, but like, now that we're at, we're at, a, this is episode 150, we have come to a point where we understand how to communicate well with one another. In the beginning, Except for though. Richie. Yeah, Richie, he, but you know, he's in, you know, he's kind of, he's doing sign language over there. We just can't see it, you know, so he's talking <laughs> it just, we can't, you know, um, but like definitely, uh-huh. dude, I still remember like episode 30 back, back in those days, we were atrocious. Like our ability to not like, we still talk over each other, but we are much better at recognizing like who has more like pizzazz in their, like, com- like in their tone. So let's let them push over kind of a thing. And but yeah, I would for us. We're definitely going through that right now. Yeah, yeah just it's just a dynamic. It's <laughs> such a strange thing because you just kind of you just get better at it over time, and you don't even realize it. And then, then all of a sudden, things just flow, and it's it's just it feels more natural. I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's fun. I've, the thing I fight or we fight as a group is we're you know we record on. Usually Sunday night, we get together, throw the headphones on, cell phones down. But throughout the rest of the week, um, there's at least two or three nights th- throughout the week that we're either here in the shop working on something, or um, you know, my buddy Jason, that my wiring guy, he's got literally the tallest house in town. It's uh, 30, 32 feet to the peak, I think. Um, yeah. And we've been roughing it. We're on year, we're on summer number two and roughing it. Um, just because it's he and I are the only, about the only two that get up there. Everybody else is scared heights. So everybody else is great uh, ground. Yes, <laughs> we're hanging stuff up, we're shoveling stuff up by pulley, but we're the only two up there actually. You know, our, we call him the Wookie. My buddy Brad, he's, he's a police officer, and uh, you know he's literally you know the size of a Wookie, and he's my closest snowmobile buddy. So we talk about that on on some episodes. He'll get up there and help when he's able to. Uh, you know, just we're talking, we're doing that, we're building a house. So we talk the rest of the week, then we come Sunday night, it's, you know, sometimes it's just reviewing what, what we did all week to tell everybody else what we did, but we already know what we're talking about. Um, but sometimes that, that can be a fun dynamic because all of a sudden, um, 
we remember it. Each of us remember it differently, how it happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> that discussion, oh, it really happened like this. It's, I uh, think that's, the, it's, that's one of the best parts is like getting everybody's dynamic on something that, a story that you think you know, and then you hear somebody else who's like, with a completely different perspective of the same event, it's always funny. And to realize that on a on like a podcast setting is always uh, it, it's fun. <laughs> Getting the reactions and then being able to you know listen to them is is super funny. One of my favorites. Sorry, go ahead. What? No, go ahead. I was gonna say one of my favorites is um, when you come back from a wheeling trip and you've got like everyone sitting down to compare stories and you're like, yeah, it felt like I was almost over. Yeah, dude, the, uh, your door bar was rubbing the ground or like, no, you weren't almost over. You're just (laughs) a fucking bitch. It's like, that wasn't a flop. Me and Cody every time you say you almost rolled. (laughs) Uh, it's like my 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 nipple could be dragging on the ground and like everything is falling out including the cooler and Graham would be like that's not even close you weren't even touching yet it's like what like all right fine do it again better next time dad (laughs) just a disappointment (laughs) the dirt is rubbing on the fucking roof bar and you can see that it's literally getting shoved into the open tube that's not a good enough flop for Graham. It's got to be slightly better than that because your dumbass was able to drive out of it. Jeez Louise. Literally was pushing dirt with the, the windshield and I had to pull myself sideways around a tree and then got down and I was basically coming. It's, it's not Rich's property. That's boss's property. But you know, being it's his property, I know it well. That there's the normal way we drop into this ravine, and I just had to come in from a different angle just for something new to try. And I got around the tree and started, and it, it just transitioned. Everything went from the dri- the driver's or passenger side being on the on the bank to everything unloaded and went to the other side. And I just, with like I said earlier, stock steering box on there. I got to uh, I couldn't I couldn't get it turned back driver enough to drive out of it. And, you know, flopped it from the other side and and uh, trying to explain that to these, you know, none of them came with me this, this trip. They were all had other things going. And so we're sitting around the table Sunday night and trying to explain that to them. And it wasn't until I pulled a video up or showed them the pictures, you know, because I was, I started taking pictures and I was trying to actually try to FaceTime the wife from the being flopped on my side in this ravine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh, the people up on the bank above me that were taking pictures of posting on Facebook beat me to telling her. So that's always interesting when you get cell phone reception back and, you know, the wife's calling. She's like, you want to tell me something? What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> you old scout? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a fall away from the passenger side all the way to the driver's side in about two seconds. jeez. <laughs> wow. Gotta love it, though. Um... Alrighty, boys. Well, we're kind of getting down to it. So before we start wrapping up, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you guys, every single one of you. Really want to say a huge shout out to Chris. Thank you for coming on. If you guys have a second, go over to podcast, any of your streaming platforms, wherever you're listening to us on. Just go over there to the Heat Treated Podcast. Go give it a follow. Download a few episodes. It helps those guys out. Give them a rating. Give us a rating. I know it sounds crazy, but it does help. It does push. You know, suggest us to other people um 
go over to Instagram, check us out over at Blue Collar Off Road. Go over to the He Treated Podcast. It's on Instagram or what? He He Treated Garage over there. Uh, we just post. Go ahead. Go ahead. So if you look up He Treated Garage on you know Instagrams, Facebook, the podcast streaming, it's all it's going to come up. You'll you'll recognize it. It's you're going to see a pic. The the picture is literally the shop on fire. So when my shop oh, was on fire. The metal it's been was so shared to mm-hmm. our story too, and will be shared again when this episode comes out to make it easier to find. And, I'm, and I'll make sure that everybody listening to me over there's trying to come over, you know, send them over here and listen to you guys because, um, you know, a fair chunk of our of my listeners are you know off road guys and they're truck drivers and, uh, you know, and, and when I started mine, I talked to a few other friends that have solo podcasts that and. One of, the, one of them told me, they said, you know, there's 24 hours in a day, and I'm only putting out an hour a day, so they got plenty of time to listen to all of us. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're we put thinking out two sorry. and a half a week, what? Something like that? Something, I mean, roughly. I think we usually try to stick around two hours. Two hours is our kind of average point. But the Sometimes- pitchforks come out if the episode isn't out. Thursday night. They, dude, I had to get a pitchforks. Like, Cody was handing the file to people because it wasn't. (laughs) He can't. He couldn't upload it. (laughs) It was a mess. I literally had like good friends of ours who like I wouldn't like share like the actual file to like randoms. I mean, maybe if you took the time to message me about it, I probably would. But like friends around, just like, hey, I will give you the Google Drive. Like, you have to figure out how to listen to it. But this is the way I share it. Enjoy. And like, they were just like, it's not loading. It's not doing this. And then like 30 (laughs) seconds later, they're like, oh, I just had to let it do its thing. I'm like, all right, so we're good. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm like, what? They got their fix. They got their (laughs) fix. You know, and my favorite thing is um, Frankie every week gives us a uh, review. Yes. And that is one of my highlights of the week. (laughs) Right around Monday at like 1030 in the morning, we get the episode in review. Um, And just shit like that. My favorite is the the Graham intros. I always get the rating on the Graham intros. This one is going to be a solid seven, I'm guessing. The hey! and then like scaring everybody awake at like uh, six thirty yeah. in the morning when they're trying to drive to work and just <laughs> there like was, there was one that was particularly bad a couple of weeks ago. I was really loud with the intro and all the morning <laughs> listeners apparently were were spooked by it. <laughs> Love that. I also wanted randomly somewhere sometimes just to keep people. On their toes, you know. Mm. <laughs> Fighting someone just random. Just gotta clang some pants together. Just like, <laughs> like baseball. Guess what? We're doing it, boys. <laughs> but anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. Please, if you guys got some time, head over to all of his stuff and check him out. And on that note. On that note, the hardest thing in life is taking the first step on a journey or a project. And after you've made the first step, it's always a reaction to the first thing you did. So just keep going. It's either one day or day one. So get out there and fucking make it happen.